So who needs a change of scenery right now? Oh, everyone in the world? So it's good that Apartments.com has the most listings anywhere. We're not just talking about apartments, but houses, townhomes, condos, and all matter of domiciles from the oh so cozy to did I just hear an echo in here? And from the 3D virtual tours, you can search for your special somewhere from anywhere. So stretch those fingers across a keyboard and change your scenery on apartments.com, the most popular place to find a place. What's up, RHA people? Um, it's me, Chappelle. And uh, Rob is not here, sadly. I'll be doing this uh, without him for the second week in a row. But luckily for you guys, we are still doing the Rewind. The RHAP Rewind is back. And we have two special guests with us today to talk about the hit VH1 reality show from the mid-2000s, I Love Money. And uh, I could not talk about this show without talking to these great people. I'm laughing already because I know this is going to be a mess. But returning to the Rewind, uh, Mr. Scally, the host of the Love Island wrap-up and coming off of a Bachelorette Season 17 draft. Is that correct? Uh, you, I could not tell you the number, but that sounds right. Uh, <laughs> hello, hello. No, I am super excited. The last time I was here, we talked about Battle of the Network reality stars. Uh, but I would argue that this is the true like conglomeration of biggest names in reality TV, the biggest <laughs> and the best. This is why, like, one of my, you know, what is this? A top five season of reality TV for me. I love this. It is, uh, like, <laughs> A grouping of some of the biggest names of, let's say, my childhood. Uh, <laughs> it's very excited to talk about this. I really wish we were doing the video so people could see how happy you look. Okay, <laughs> you are in heaven, and I am ready to go to heaven with you on this one. Um, also joining us is my idol. Mr. Mike Bloom. How are you, Mike? I'm good, Chappelle, but please call Scally and I by our nicknames, White Boy 1 and White Boy 2. <laughs> Put that check in the box. I'm ready to go. I'm thrilled. This is like more satisfaction than a massage, followed by drinking some sort of tropical drink out of a pineapple with a happy face on it. I'm not, I'm not taking the chance route and like being a grumpy gust the entire time. I am so freaking excited to talk about I love money. Several years ago, when the meme was going around of, you know, Infinity War is the greatest crossover event of all time, I tweeted that no, it wasn't because I love money is. And to, to co-opt what Scally just said, this is such a hallmark of two, the late 2000s in so, so many ways. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, the most ambitious crossover event of all time, for sure. Sometimes I wonder if Thanos should have snapped a little bit earlier and got rid of half of this cast <laughs> because these people are insane. But I'm ready. Let's talk about it. Um, I love money. So this seems to be both of y'all's bag. But honestly, uh, I remember the show vaguely. So I have a deep, like, well of knowledge for reality TV shows of, of the past. But for some reason, I just remember watching this season once. So going back and watching this episode, and I watched a couple others, I was shocked at what I saw because I, like, I almost don't remember it being this good and this problematic at the same time. So <laughs> did either of you uh, experience this, Scotty? What, what, what was your experience like watching this back? 
Uh, well, you know, the assignment is we're going to come discuss one episode, but I watched the entire first season, including oh, the, clip <laughs> <laughs> the clip show. The clip show? Why is there a clip show? There's a reunion. There is a clip show. I was ready for all of it. I was going to get into season two, maybe after this podcast, but um, yeah, I loved the show. I know I've watched it probably like three times before this. Uh, it is definitely has its problems like any show of this time, especially all these VH1 shows shows um so that is acknowledged and there are like gross parts to this that i do not enjoy um i don't i don't know i am curious to see how it ages even further into the future but uh there are still definitely parts where this is very very fun yeah what about you mike was the rewind uh like good for you this time or were you kind of shocked at some of the things you saw i mean it good Good for me. It's it's interesting because there's a lot of pop culture pieces that I think you look back on and you're like, I don't know how that flew back then. But this really goes to show that VH1 back in the day was sort of like, I wouldn't say third level, you know, third string basic cable or anything like that. But I don't think it was as highly regarded as a cable network. This is still back in 2008 when the broadcast networks were really the ones to look to, especially when it came to reality TV. So to be candid, I think a lot of stuff slid by uh, due to both societal standards and network standards when it came to the to the I Love Blank series. Celebreality, I think, is, is the proper name for it. This was my bread and butter. Uh, you know, I Love, Flavor of Love and I Love New York was like my bachelor and bachelorette. Uh, just because <laughs> what, what I love about all this personally is that, yes, it is messy, but I think the closest comparison is a show that Scally actually covers for the Don and Colin Network, which is The Challenge, right? Like, here come a bunch of people from a bunch of different shows. Uh, in this case, you know, just like we did with Real World versus Road Rules back in the day, these are from all sorts of VH1-based shows, but VH1 only. They're going to compete in a bunch of challenges, which they're not necessarily used to from their their feeder shows. What I love about this, and love, again, I put in quotations because uh, there's a lot to it, but what I love about it is that it's it's not pretending to be professional in any way. The challenge, I know that you have Bill Simmons being like, it's the fifth major sport. Uh, we're, we're still, <laughs> and we're, you know, they're, everyone's training like an athlete for this, hitting CrossFit every day to win a million dollars. But I feel like the challenge oftentimes is like putting lipstick on a pig in terms of trying to come across as something that it clearly is not, or at least what it clearly didn't start as. I Love Money not only doesn't put lipstick on the pig, it just like takes the pig around and says like, yeah, this is my big pig and I love my pig. My pig is dirty. My pig is messy. My pig is disgusting, but I love the hell out of this pig and I'm going to show it around to each and every person. And, and that's what I really love about this. And you really get a sense of it, even through the production value is like every, like the entire production staff is in on the joke. It is for this, these entire shows. And that's what I think is, was my biggest takeaway, even outside of stuff that wouldn't necessarily fly today is just like how much they're continually dunking on these contestants over and over again. And how much these contestants seem to be along for the ride, totally willing to be dunked on on national television. Oh, yeah. I noticed that, too. There were a lot of jokes that the contestants seemed like they were fine with telling about themselves. And I was like, that's 
a choice, you know? Um, but yeah, this kind of reminded me of like smoking a cigarette. I don't smoke cigarettes, but I'd imagine that it feels pretty good, but it's also kind of gross. And so <laughs> this, what this was, it's like a, like, a, like you said, a pig rolling around in its own slop, just happily being dirty and filthy. And it was a joy to watch. I, I can't even lie. So the show was produced and started what back in February of 2008 and concluded in March, 2008. So it's only filmed for a couple of months. Um, and, it looks like they aired a casting special in July and it was like a really big deal for this time. So were they trying to compete with the challenge or something like this, Scally? Is this something that you knew of at the time? Okay. Well, first of all, I could not find the casting special. So if anyone has that, (laughs) was that like, just like, Oh, here's how you, here's everything to know about toasty, you know, like here's rodeo's dossier. I'm not sure what that entails. No. Okay. You found like the only two I would skip, but (laughs) (laughs) but, no, this I think. This yeah, was, I want to get into the dossier eventually, Scally. So yeah, give me the oh, rundown. <laughs> I'm ready. But I'm saying this was VH1's answer to the challenge. I think this probably had staying power and had like they had filmed two more seasons that never got aired, but like they were ready to commit to this like franchise of shows and keep it going. Uh, it was like if I was sneaking watching the challenge, I was like under my covers. I was like under the bed for like, I love money <laughs> in the floor, buried in the crawl space watching like, I love money. Yeah, it was definitely uh, something that I was sneaking, but it was uh, like a VH1 fully was behind this at the time. It was their answer to the challenge. That's incredible. And and Mike is right. The challenge does try to like take their show and these these wacky characters that we know from the real world to be a hot mess and try to make them look like, oh, look at them, legitimate competitors. Well, this was almost the opposite. I, the one takeaway I took from this was I wasn't expecting all these messy individuals to be so athletic. The challenge kind of got into like some survivor type qualities going on. It was, it was giving me a lot of like, you know, some of the more recent challenges we see, you know, with the uh, obvious, you know, you, you know, you could trade out the the little mascot that they were going out and saving in the challenge. And we'll get that later to later on. But like, I was surprised to see these reality TV contestants who I'm so used to seeing fighting and dating, like swimming out into the ocean and, and like doing all these very physical activities. Is this something that they do later on? Like the challenge? Like, is, does it stay this physical or is it more mm-hmm. like, you know, get into like some mental puzzle challenges as well? I, I think it's most. I mean, these people cannot handle puzzle challenges. They can't puzzle num- put the, the number in order from one to ten. Like they cannot physically or mentally handle that. It's interesting because I think what's really fun about I Love Money, at least in its initial challenges, is that they really try to theme challenges off of previous things that happened in the uh the celebrity series right like the episode before the one that we watched, which is episode six. They had to cry. And they had to use a bunch of like different instances to cry. The, the one of the first team challenges they had was uh, they were battling on top of beds that were like mounted on a platform above a lake, like what happened with uh, uh, Safari and I forget the other one's name from the beginning of Flavor of Love too, right? When they like got into the fist fight right before they really got disqualified <laughs> on day one. So like, yeah, don't hit me with flowers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, like, uh, please God, tell me to not kick her ass. I think is what she's supposed to be praying in the room next to her. That's that's the great thing about this too is like there, it's almost like a love letter to these series. But yeah, there is some surprising amount of of physicality to it. I would not say it's as intense as the challenges, but it's not like the genius where they are 
going around. This is not the genius. This is the dummy, uh, quite literally <laughs> in this case, where it's just like, okay, run around and do these very simple things. But sometimes even they're not able to accomplish that. I remember there was one episode this season, right, where it's like uh, everyone on your team has to kiss. And I remember Chance, who we're going to talk about a lot in this episode, refused to do it because he had to kiss another guy. He had to kiss his main rival, Mr. Boston, uh, from I Love New York. And he just flat out refused to do it. So, like, even those very simple seventh grade PF camp type of challenges were still unable to be accomplished by certain people. So I, I give it to everyone in this week's uh, episode that we watched that, like, at least they all got in the water at some point. You know, they didn't give up. Yeah, I was very impressed with the physicality. But now that you mention it, I do have like uh, this memory of, you know, they were like in a money booth on one episode and they had to stick as much money into their bathing suit. And like the men didn't want to wear the bathing suit and Chance didn't want to take out his do-rag. And I felt seen, but also take off your do-rag is for what is this? $250,000. Like, oh, yeah. They, the they, they remind us over and over again. That's for <laughs> but again, it sounds like so paltry in comparison. And maybe it's just because there's so much like proliferated reality TV that there's so many hundreds of thousands of dollars coming our way that like, I don't know. It just seems so negligible to be like $250,000. It feels like you're mm. back in like the days of the great depression, right? When that money is not even <laughs> insurmountable here, you earn like $250,000 on a show for like making it to seventh place on like Bulgarian survivor or whatever in 2010. Yeah. Well, it's still more than like drag race and some other shows today. So. <laughs> That's true. It is, it is half the amount of the big brother winner. That's still, they get for playing like three months. Yeah, so uh, I think that some of these contestants could make 250000 go very far or blow it in one night. So no matter how much you give them, it's going to be around the same amount. Uh, I know even some people are like, yeah, I'm going to spend this immediately. I have no qualms about admitting that in their first yeah, day. So. Yeah, well, that's, isn't this so in the first episode? And this gets called back in this episode we're talking about, episode six. Like, don't they, they, they tell the host, like, this is what I'm going to spend the money on? Uh, and I can imagine that there are various things that people would do with two hundred fifty thousand dollars uh yeah i remember uh megan and we'll get into her in a second uh, i believe her her charity of choice was to uh focus her money on helping uh dogs with mental uh disabilities and uh because her dog uh she says has a mental disability and she carries it around with her so yeah they have some interesting uh platforms but some of them are in it for a good cause and others are just in it to spend the money. And so, uh, yeah, $250,000 is more than enough for this group of people. But I do want to get into the, the cast of it all because, I mean, you want to talk about a cast. This is incredible. Who called these people? Like, <laughs> like, who was sitting around thinking, like, these are the people we need back on television because we won't get sued. Y'all are definitely going to get sued. Like, this is a lawsuit waiting to happen. Um. You mentioned uh, I Love New York earlier, Flavor of Love. I mean, we see Rock of Love on here. Uh, Scally, do you want to start taking us through each of the players in this episode? Or, or do you want to talk about the uh, season as a whole? Oh, I feel like it's tough because you don't know what order to go in. I, it's This cast is elite. I think four of them actually end up getting their own shows on VH1. Multiple of them are actually offered their own shows or are mm -hmm. in the works to get them before things fall apart. So it is tough to know where to even start. I'm down to go through everyone, though. Where would you want to start here? Oh, yeah, we can definitely start with... Let's talk about the people we've talked about before on The Rewind. So we'll start oh, yeah. with... the. The star of this episode, uh, Pumpkin. Let's talk about Pumpkin. <laughs> oh, my God. Pumpkin. 
So listen, like Pumpkin, she lampshades her own moment that she's famous for, right? Like I may, I, I was known to spit it on a girl, but I'm not mean. Uh, but like, I, God, I forgot how vindictive she was. And maybe it's the played up for the camera a bit, right? Like uh, Brooke Thompson at this point, like knows this is like the meme before the meme. Everyone knew about bye bye Pumpkin throws New York into the camera uh, or Pum- New York throws Pumpkin into the camera. So like maybe she's playing it up, but my God, Scally, you can tell me if, if if she relents in other episodes, but she is bringing incredible venom to I Love Money season one. Oh, the, the pumpkin never changes. This is pumpkin. We get what we get. <laughs> I think she knows that like she is right on that verge of is she going to get her own show? And so it is nonstop pumpkin every episode. She's going to bring what she brings. Uh, Pumpkin's fun as a character. She is definitely vindictive. She is mean. She is all of that. Uh, but it's the same pumpkin you get in her original season. So if you have watched Flavor of Love, you know exactly what you're getting on I Love Money. Yes, and it was glorious. I think you're right, though. I think Pumpkin saw New York get the things that she deserved from her point of view, right? Like, that moment with the spit makes both of them, and that that makes them live on in reality TV history forever. Uh, But New York obviously has, like, the better go at it, right? Like, she gets her own shows, multiple shows, where Pumpkin is still kind of, like, fighting for that limelight. Um, I think we talked about last time Rob and I was, like, Pumpkin is no longer a teacher, so we don't have to hear about that too much. Um, But, like, yeah, she's not a teacher because she's doing this professionally. And I don't knock it, you know, but she's definitely, like, eyeing her, like, moment in the sun, and it looks like she's going to take I Love Money to get it. Now, I'm curious to see if it actually worked out for Pumpkin. Does she go on to do other shows after this? Um, I, I don't uh, think so. I mean, the most famous thing about Pumpkin is I believe... Uh, someone took her name on American Horror Story. I think that's the biggest thing that's happened to the name Brooke Thompson since the days of I Love Money. Yeah, Pumpkin came in as one of the biggest names on the cast, and I think, but again, she's still on the cast. She is not yet the lead of her own show. I don't think that ever really converts. She shows up on Charm School, which I don't remember is before or after this. I, so... think, I think it's maybe, right, that you're talking about the, the Monique Flavor of Love yes. Charm School. I want I to say it was maybe... Let's see. Oh, yeah, you're right. April 15th to July 8th, 2007. So, yeah, yes. I mean, Pumpkin was like all, and this is where that's where a lot of them were in this. Pumpkin was in it. Toasty was in it. That actually might be the only two crossovers from this. Okay, sounds good. Well, the other star of our Flavor of Love rewatch that we did recently was Hoops. Uh, and Hoops did not stand out that much in the Flavor of Love. I, I said then in the rewind that, you know, she's kind of like the normal woman, you know, like she was the most normal. She's very competitive and she was going to do what it took to win uh, without actually looking like a horrible person. So it's kind of like New York was not willing to like like to draw any lines in the sand and say I'm not going to do this whereas Hoops kind of took the more conservative route in that season so I was actually surprised to see her in this season like would you cast Hoops for reality TV drama or is she just super competitive and you knew she would want to come out for something like this Mike? Yeah I think it's the latter right I think this is like not to make too much of a cross comparison, but it's why you get Casey on the challenge. Uh, you're like, mm. oh, this is like someone who has athletics as a career or like is athletic at this point, was engaged to an athlete at a certain point. Uh, you know, let's let's put her in there and see what happens. So maybe it was less so about like, oh, she's going to cause a lot of drama, even though she has some pretty big reactions, right? Like she has a reaction at the end of this episode. But yeah, I would say compared to everyone else, she has the charisma of a of a basketball hoop 
uh, as it were. I mean, she's uh, she's come out, I think, in the past couple of years with, with a couple things about the show saying like, I don't know. She's saying things like apparently she uh, she was supposed to get her own show, but she turned it down. And that's how New York got it. And she's making mm. all these claims. And it's just like, I, you look at Tiffany Pollard and you look at Nicole Alexander, a.k.a. Hoops, and you give it to Tiffany Pollard every day of the week. I'm sorry, Hoops. Seems like you're a nice person, but like New York does not get your table scraps. OK, you get the scraps. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and the, but the thing is, while we are here for the New Yorks, the hotties, the other, the pumpkins, the other characters on Flavor of Love, I do think that there was that fan base for Hoops. She was who, like, the casual fan, I guess, if there are any of Flavor of Love, <laughs> is rooting for. So I think that they are there. She is there for her both likability and athletic ability. Uh, as far as going on into the future, Hoops does go on post show to date Shaquille O'Neal for five years. So that is part of Hoops' uh, future story. I guess the fall was hard from there, which is why she has said so many things about the VH1 reality shows since then. But yeah, uh, Hoops is not the most exciting character of this. How cast, do you sure. go? from Flavor Flav to Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> I love money. So anyway... Um... <laughs> going to two sides of the thermometer. That's like dipping yourself in a scalding hot pot of water and then throwing yourself into like a, a, a bank of snow afterwards. It just feels like you can't get any sort of homeostasis going on, right? You gotta find a happy medium hoops. Do not swing <laughs> completely over to the other side. You gotta correct. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure many people many. have seen that picture of Hoops with Shaquille O'Neal, where he is three times the size of her. So if you don't know Hoops from watching Flavor of Love already, you may know her from that. Yeah, you know, and, and there's, look, people like dating who they like. I just think that it's, you know, very uh, fitting that she ends up on the show called I Love Money because these two people <laughs> are rich and they seem to have not much else in common, but they uh, Hoops likes to date them both. So moving on <laughs> to some of the... Uh, these would be, I guess, technically the Flavor of Love spinoffs, right? Like, you don't get uh, I Love New York and Rock of Love without Flavor of Love. So let's talk about I Love New York. Another uh, big person that we talked about so far, uh, Chance, who was another star of this episode. Uh, what do we need to know about Chance, Scally? It's hard to talk about Chance without acknowledging the Stallionaires as a whole. Chance comes on to I Love New York with his brother, Real, and they are both competing for New York's heart where they meet White Boy and the three of them as a whole get very close um, where they find themselves now on this show. They are one of, you know, if not the dominant alliance this season, uh, they are viewed as such. And so all three, I think, are very popular, very big characters. Chance and Real go on to get their own show. Uh, Chance is definitely someone that you want to watch. Yeah, and Chance is big personality. He makes it super far in the first season of I Love New York. It's actually, it's, it's what? It's, uh, it's Tango, it's Chance, and it's Real are the final three. And so it's like heartbreaking, right? Of like, what will happen? Will the two brothers ever be broken up? And I remember Chance makes it to the final two. I think uh, Chance was the one specifically, right, who had like a bad interview with her mother, uh, and her New York's mother was like, oh, "You can't do this. You can't date him." But then New York ends up picking. So New York ends up picking Tango. Then Tango watches the show back, finds out that New York talked a lot of shit about his mom, and then broke up with her. And then she went back to Chance, and Chance turned her down. Like incredible, absolutely incredible. But yeah, Chance is. I mean, it, it's exhibited in this episode. 
especially of the two, Chance is the mouth of the stallionaires. I would say he's he's very much larger than life. You're you're never going to get silence out of Chance. Uh, and actually, if we're talking about what happened to Chance after the show, like you said, two seasons of real of, real Chance of Love, uh, and, which is oddly again him and Real were looking for partners together but separately on the same show, but. Chance went on like a decade after the fact to do another dating show. Y'all know about this? Uh, I don't think I did. Well, what about you, Sally? Did you know this? Yes, we do know about this. Um, This was a show where myself and other people that I know have watched this were very excited. Maybe the VH1 era is coming back finally after all these years. And Chance gets his own dating show. Uh, Sadly, we do have to say Real has since passed away after the season. He did have cancer um, and is no longer with us. So Chance, a number of years later, goes off on his own, gets his own dating show. And uh, I was very excited to watch it until seeing clips. And it is probably more problematic (laughs) from what I've seen than the VH1 era of shows. So I have um, even, yeah, have decided to put that one aside. How is that even possible? Uh, It caused to, you know, New York herself uh, coming into a lot of controversy, controversy after showing up on the show. So uh, not a great look for Chance there. But uh, Chance at the time was definitely, again, one of the biggest names coming in here. I forgot about that show. And now that you describe it, I remember the clips vividly because I refuse to watch the show. I feel like there's like a bell curve of when it was appropriate to be inappropriate. And now it's like we are coming to the end of that now. Like that is past. So you cannot be more inappropriate now. This 2008, this is your sweet spot. This is where you could do all those things and get away with it. And then we look back and say, oh, my gosh, that was bad. But wasn't it great TV? Now it's just bad. Yep, and, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 the, it. it's the era of like you should know better, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's like you have no excuse to say these types of things. Whereas to your point, I think we looked back on this idea of trash TV. Honestly, maybe before like the proliferation of social media, as like this was great, and maybe even a few years into that. But I feel like the past several years we have sort of come around, whether it's from a mental health perspective or just a societal reckoning, maybe in in terms of looking at uh, a lot of biases that exist and say, yeah, this stuff doesn't fly. And so, yeah, I I think like, you know, it's chance, almost like chance was cryogenically frozen for 13 years. Right. And comes out like, all right, I'm going to do my chance. thing." And we're like, no, that's not allowed (laughs) anymore. Chance. Stop it. What are you doing? But yeah, it's it's super sad uh, to find out that real passed away. I think he passed away in like 2015, right? And he passed from colon cancer, which is tough, tough. And I always loved real. Real was real was like the hoops of I Love New York, right? Like he was, mm-hmm. as the name indicates, real. That's the other thing as well about this show is I love that they kept the nicknames. You know that they decided to. <laughs> I know that with Charm School, they actually had ditched the nicknames to go by. Yeah, like, they should have. Their government names, exactly. Uh, You know, Monique just, like, really foisted that upon them. But here, they're still, like, really grabbing that, like, I remember when Flavor Flav, wearing his Viking horns, called me Toasty with three E's, and therefore, this is what I shall be as I compete on this, quote-unquote, legitimate reality show. I am now Toasty forevermore. I do not want the arbiter of my fate in entertainment to be at the hands of Flavor Flav. Thank you very much. <laughs> I do not want that power in his hands. I feel so bad. I think these people sort of like, like hoops 
it's fine. But like, uh, she was on this season. She got eliminated before we got. Uh, we talked about this episode. I feel so bad for Nibbles, who was yeah. nicknamed because Flav felt like she reminded him of Mike Tyson. Ah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> What a talent what? for nicknames. Yeah. <laughs> I think my, my favorite, though, I don't know if you guys have favorite Flav nicknames. I think my favorite has to be in season three, there was a woman who was really tall, and he just called her Tree. <laughs> I remember Tree. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, that's not my that's not my favorite nickname. I think my favorite name of all isn't even a nickname. How can we not talk about Safari, right? Yeah. So Safari goes and gets uh, eliminated from the Flavor of Love season two, and then she goes on Charm School, and Monique has to, you know, help these women shed their their horrible out, you know, like nicknames and these personas that they have from this reality TV show. And she looks directly at Safari and says, "That's such an ugly, hateful name that Flav gave you. Like, what is your real name, sister?" And she's like, "My, my name is Safari." <laughs> yeah, uh, Wasn't there I, long enough to get a nickname? <laughs> it is so sad. <laughs> like the music backs it up, but it's a great moment on TV. Yeah. York just, I mean, like, Monique is just like, oh, okay, well, you know, well, I guess we'll call you that then. <laughs> so, yeah, this is the age of the nickname. Um, we did gloss right past Toasty. Do you have any uh, input about Toasty, Mike? I mean, Toasty, yeah, I remember Toasty was a big contestant in Flavor of Love Season 2. I mean, I think, for lack of a better term, she was known as, like, the sloppy drunk. Uh, and that's hence why Flav gave her that nickname. I think she indulged a bit too much during the nicknaming ceremony, and that's why Flav gave it to her. But if I recall correctly, like, the two things I remember about Toasty is that and the fact that I believe she gets booted because Flav found out that she did porn back in the day, right? Yeah, uh, yes. I believe Nibbles, like, exposed her. Is that what happens, Gather? That is it. The aforementioned Nibbles did reveal to Flav that Toasty had allegedly appeared in pornography. So Toasty found herself off of Flavor of Love and onto Charm School and I Love Money, where she mostly serves as Pumpkin's friend. <laughs> and look, wouldn't we all just want to be Pumpkin's friend? <laughs> I would rather be that than her enemy. That is right. fair. Yeah. And well, we'll see what happens with her enemies. Uh, before we move away from the Flavor of Love and I Love New York shows, we still have to talk about White Boy. Is there anything of note from White Boy? Uh, I feel awkward even calling him that. Uh, what Does White Boy have a real name? Does, do we uh, call him by his real yeah, name? Joshua Gallander. Okay, he can be White Boy today. Um, <laughs> so, Scully, any insight into White Boy? What does White Boy bring this season from uh, I Love New York? No, White Boy was, again, a big fan favorite. I think he was right up there with Real Enchants in the first season, which was, like, a very popular season at the time. I don't think that he is, like, the big television personality, but he kind of comes in and, like, run tries to run this season as the godfather. Like, he is actively, like, willing to play this game, and good casting from that perspective, especially. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I was getting big, like... Chilltown vibes from the Stallionaires. Like they all decided to come on the show together Uh-oh. as a package deal. Oh, um, no. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you know, okay. How many so, yes. like a chance finds out that white boy's been stalking his family? <laughs> finds out that real's been stalking their family. Oh, um, so, <laughs> Mike, did you have any insight into white boy? No, I mean, white boy was sort of like white bread a little bit, you know, I think especially <laughs> compared to the other personalities. I can understand why he made it on though. He, he made it to fourth place in I love New York season one. Like Scally said, that was a, big big season i think if you're talking about like 
the most popular celebrity seasons. It was definitely like Flavor of Love one, and then I Love New York one, and I think the sequels found it hard to capitalize or repeat on that success. White Boys seemed like uh, like a fine guy. Hoops. Uh, you know, if we're talking about like statements that she made after the fact, she alleges that apparently she claims the entire show was fixed for White Boy to win, so that because they wanted to do a spinoff show about White Boy, so they said like, well, he has to win the show because then people won't watch a spinoff show if he doesn't win the show, obviously. And so she claims that the entire time the producers had their finger on the scale to keep white boy in the game. So when you see 12 pack asking like, uh, how the hell is white boy not getting in there? Evidently it's, it's because of the fix was in according to mm-hmm. him. Yeah. Okay. Shenanigans galley. Uh, yeah, I don't see this happening. Uh, just like hoops <laughs> was supposed to get her own show. White boy was supposed to get his own show. Multiple other people on this cast have claimed they were supposed to get their own show. Uh, I don't think necessarily that that was the case because if they wanted it to be the case, white boy would have won. Like it's very easily fixable. Uh, I know that there is a lot of times where, uh, white boy does, uh, he's in danger and seems to, you know, end up doing just fine. But I don't necessarily know that he was, if you're picking someone to rig it for, I don't think it's white boy. Yeah, why on earth would he be <laughs> white boy? Of unless he has something on your family, which again, maybe that's the chill town vibe. Uh, I, I, why on earth? Why white boy? Yeah, and who and who boy? would want? Like, I'm sure he seems like a fine guy, but if if you're creating somebody from the I Love New York universe to base a show around, like literally every other guy who was on there from I Love New York, besides white boy would have been great right like we did we talked about chance and real mr boston would have been an awkward as hell tv show but give it to me we talked frank the entertainer is gonna get his own dating show there are plenty other fish in the sea don't catch the five pound carp and say it's a it's a done day i'm gonna eat this thing yeah and that's a good point because we do have to acknowledge frank the entertainer on this season and i First off, forgot that he was on this season, but I also forgot what great television he is. Why? Why does this person exist? Like, <laughs> what? You know, like Frank the Entertainer, his storyline from what I remember is that he like lives in his mom and dad's house and he's like an adult and he just kind of <laughs> bums around. Like that was like the storyline for him. Um, and watching this season i was feeling like oh, like is he like giving off like creep vibes are they trying to make him seem like like a like a filthy old man sometimes um but he does get his own television show where white boy could just he could never carry the show scotty do you remember frank the entertainer was it was it called like love of basement like what was the uh, show love called? of basement frank the entertainer <laughs> in a basement affair oh that's even worse <laughs> that's worse <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it literally what? took place in the basement at points. Frank lived with <laughs> oh, his parents. Uh, very, very entertaining character. Him as well as both his parents were entertaining characters. Uh, Frank, who I think is 29, but if you told me he was 47, I would believe you at the time of the show. Like, <laughs> yeah, that, that, man, that man is like a human pug. He's like born with wrinkles. <laughs> and he does not speak. He only screams. This man is... <laughs> <laughs> like uh, entertaining the entertainer is very fitting he is non-stop entertainment he's never boring on the show except for maybe almost a little bit this episode uh but he is very fun and it's obvious why he gets his own show yeah like if you want to rig it rig it for the entertainer because that's tv what do you think mike what is why would you pick white boy over frank I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe there was, like, popular appeal that they decided to base a show around White Boy, but I don't know, like, there's no 
fun hook, right? Like Real Chance of Love had like the whole Stallion Airs thing where they like went to the horse ranch and did some stuff. Uh, you know, I Love New York is a phrase that occurs that you can base it off of. I don't know what you're doing. Like Pretty Fly for a white boy. Um, <laughs> and it all takes place on an airplane. I, I have no idea. Frank the Entertainer, at least he had the basement thing going on, which is still ridiculous to me. I mean, to the point about how uh, Frank the Entertainer, like, rig it for him, I do believe he gets brought back in the next season. There's, like, only one or two people who actually appear on multiple seasons of I Love Money, and one of them was Frank the Entertainer. So maybe in the case of the second season, they were trying to, like, Boston rob this thing. Uh, basement Frank, if you will, BF, <laughs> and try to give him his win. The thing is, I'm sure many of these people were told they were going to get their own show as a reason why they should come back for Charm School. Oh, come back for I Love Money one more time. We'll get you your own show. I know that even other people on this cast, people that were not cast, were told that. What doesn't make sense is, why would Hoops be told that White Boy was going to be getting his own show? <laughs> That's what I don't understand. White Boy may have been told, and I could see it, because I could see also, like, they told him Mr. Boston that he was going to get his own show, but allegedly he didn't want it. Sure, maybe, whatever. Uh, so uh, maybe also, you know frank was given his own show eventually but i don't know why hoops would be told about you know who and who was not getting their follow-ups yeah i, I want to move on to the uh to the rest of the cast but i cannot move on without like we have to talk about this basement affair now scotty is this a dating show i need to know what's happening in this basement it is a dating show it runs for a full what like 11 episodes Wait, do, do they live in the basement <laughs> Um, I believe, I don't remember if they live in the basement, no. but like, it oh, no. might be the case. They definitely <laughs> visit there a fair amount. Like, they meet the parents. That is all definitely a thing. The mom, like, has very strong opinions, as she did with New York, on all of the contestants. I believe contestants were even potentially eliminated by the mom or something like that at some point. So, uh, yeah, it, the basement is very much a character in Frank the Entertainer's Wait, all right, so show. Let me read the first three sentences from the Wikipedia article of Frank the Entertainer in a Basement Affair in episode two. This is all you need to know about Frank the Entertainer in a Basement Affair. As the episode begins, Frank informs the women that they will each be given an opportunity to showcase one of their talents. Each contestant will be given two minutes in the basement with Frank. The three women whose talents impress Frank the most will be invited on a group date to the Brooklyn Bridge. Frank uses his microwave as a timer for each date. All right. All righty. <laughs> okay. All right, you guys. Wrap it up. This is the last episode of the Rewind. We're not doing this anymore. You're going to wrap up the Rewind without covering Frank the Entertainer in a basement affair. <laughs> Listen, there's nothing Rob could do to stop me from covering Frank the Entertainer in a basement affair. This is happening if we have to cover the whole season. Um, wow. Wow. <laughs> There's so many things. There's so many things involved in just those four sentences as a concept. I'm all in. I'm all in. This is my new favorite <laughs> show and I haven't even seen it. I, I remember it back then, but I definitely was like, I'm not giving this my energy. I just don't need this. Well, well this was sort of like on it. yeah, this was on like the tail end of like the graph, right? Where like you get the I Love New York Rock of Love stuff. Then I feel like once we get into like Daisy of Love, we're gonna talk about Megan Houserman with Megan Wants a Millionaire. I mean, honestly, the whole Ryan Jenkins murder stuff just kills it they try to eke out a couple things there was actually one season of i love money they were able to get out there but barely and then they have frank the entertainer in a basement affair but like by the end of that it's really just sort of dragging its legs to getting into the grave so i can understand Chappelle why you were not like so attuned to this is because by this point i think people were, were moving on from celebrity as a concept 
Yeah. And I'm trying to move on, but you just keep saying things that we have to dive into. Now, murder, you say? Oh, okay. Oh my, yeah. Oh my God. You didn't know about this. We'll have to get it. I mean, I'm just saying for the listeners, they just can't just hear murder and move on. I know I couldn't. I'd be like crafting an email right now. Like, uh, Mike, I know you're going to tell me about this murder. So can you just give us the the quick version of the murder? Yeah. Cause, cause I think this would be actually a good segue into some of our rock of love people. And we can talk about, cause so Megan Hauserman, who was on this season, right? She's very much like the big character of this episode, the big strategist. Uh, she was on the original season, the rock of love season two. She's going to get a show called Megan Wants a Millionaire, which, unlike Frank the Entertainer in a basement affair, the name speaks for itself. She, it's a dating show where the men all have a net worth of at least $1 million, uh, oftentimes oh. multi-millions. One of the men on the show was a man by the name of Ryan Jenkins. Ryan Jenkins also made enough of a big impression to be on a season of I Love Money, season three. After both seasons were filmed... Ryan Jenkins kills his wife and then kills himself as a result. And this is like Megan wants a millionaire had aired like three or four episodes by this point. Um, he had a history of like uh, mental and wellness. And like, I think he had like an assault charge that VH1 did not know about. And so as a result, they canceled Megan wants a millionaire immediately. They canceled airing that season of I love money. And essentially again, like celebrity really took, a huge hit. Nobody wanted to really produce these shows anymore. They were able to eke out a few more seasons. But mm-hmm. if you're wondering why we're not in Flavor of Love season 25 at this point, that's one of the big reasons why is because a lot of this entire universe of shows, if you're talking about Thanos, it got snapped away by this one guy doing this absolutely abhor- abhorrent thing. I I got nothing. What? Yeah. Why? Why? <laughs> what, what, what? Like pause you know this is one of those things where it's like you hear about it and it sounds interesting and then you hear the whole story you're like this is terrifying right and to think it was this one thing that like pretty much put a halt on the development of all of these trash tv shows right like by the by the time megan wants a millionaire comes out i mean we've had the i love new york's and the franks had his show and like everyone's had a show and you would think that there are more shows to come. These shows cannot be that hard to produce. They're producing them in people's basements at this point. So, you know, they can't be that expensive. And to think this all comes down to like, what, VH1 not doing like proper reality TV, like background checks on these people and mental health checks. Like, wow, this this is incredible. I, I've heard the story kind of like in passing, but man, to hear you put it like this is like, I, I can't believe they let this happen. Yeah, um, and that's the thing. I remember hearing just like, "Oop, everything's on hiatus imme- immediately," and like it was developing. Megan actually has come out like since the show that she wanted to pick Ryan in the end, but the producers were like, "No, no, we're not letting you pick Ryan. Like, pick someone else." So, uh, yeah, may have saved Megan there. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, not a obviously a really really horrible situation that completely just ended the entire franchise there were already contracts for i love new york three and new york goes to work season two or three or everything else was like ready to be made it was going into production and just everything gets taken off the air immediately wow that's how you that's how you stop a bag right there (laughs) that's it Mm -hmm. it's interesting though because like yeah i mean that's if you're wondering there's been a lot of discourse i think with a lot of reality tv shows right of like you know how does Survivor go on after what happens in season 39? How does The Bachelor go on with what happened with Chris Harrison? I think we found the line. And it's startling that that is the line that a contestant has to kill someone in order to get a show canceled. 
but like that, that is sort of the evidence. And so, you know, I, I do understand people's outrage when certain shows uh, still keep going amidst some very heinous actions. But I think, unfortunately, this instant proves like what that breaking point is. And everything else seems to be stuff that reality TV production in general will, would be more than happy to just brush under the rug. I mean, I'll be candid, considering the people they cast, I am surprised this did not happen sooner. You know, I'm surprised that it mm-hmm. took several years, not to say that, like, everyone they want to cast on the show is capable of doing that thing, but clearly they were going for incredibly unstable individuals. It would not have surprised me if you told me this incident happened in, like, 2005 instead of 2010. I would have believed you. Right. The odds were against them once they started just casting such a large net around, like, just people who are volatile. And that's what they got. And, yeah, it's very sad to think about. Um, And also sad, Megan Hauserman is tied to this situation forever. So can we talk about Megan, the reality TV star, before Megan Wants a Millionaire in that tragic event? She was from Rock of Love. Was she the standout on Rock of Love, Scotty? Because she was definitely the standout on this episode for sure. Ah, uh, don't talk to me about Dan Geesling. Don't talk to me about Boston Rob. Talk to me about Megan Hauserman. She <laughs> is everything on this season for me. Uh, on Rock of Love, she comes on actually after a stint on Beauty and the Geek that oh, she had yeah. previously had. Um, I think she did fairly well there, not to spoil I, I, Beauty I, and the Geek. I mean, listen, we'll, I'll come out and spoil it. Uh, I believe she won a season yes! of uh, Beauty and the Geek. <laughs> Yes, so uh, Megan has displayed a talent of smarts elsewhere. So she comes from Rock of Love, where basically uh, she makes it very far because Brett likes her a lot, but I think that she uh, refuses to kiss him or show any interest in him, basically. (laughs) (laughs) So um, she is definitely not a total standout on Rock of Love. After this, she does go on to Charm School, where she tells Monique that her dream job is to be a top-of-the-line trophy wife, hence uh, Megan wants a millionaire coming about but yeah i don't think people saw this coming from megan she goes on to this series and reveals herself to be a master manipulator yeah megan's (laughs) yeah i mean megan's giving me i don't know why i'm just getting like janelle vibes in that like she's a little low energy in her delivery but like there's almost power behind it in a manner of speaking like it's not completely dry but i think if you compare Megan and Brandy specifically, Brandy has much more high energy confessionals. I think Megan is much more laid back. I always got that sense from Janelle as well. She was a little bit more cool when she was talking in the diary room, not like jumping all around. And so I, I very much got that sense, not only from, uh, you know, the the method of communicating, but I think also in this episode in particular was just like, the way she was ruling the roost, absolutely making sure that like, yeah, she was in a, an extremely tough situation, but like this was sort of Megan's funeral in a way, Scally, to invoke a name that you compared before, where she just like completely turns everything around, knows the train is coming, and then redirects the train onto somebody else. Yeah, I I want to talk about Megan's full arc so badly, which I'm sure we'll get into at some point, but like multiple times, it's like, we all know Megan is a manipulator. We all hate Megan. We have to send her home. Or she told us we could send someone else home. So we're going to do that instead. So Megan yeah, is like, carries the season. It's, she's so fun in, in my uh, perspective. Uh, I think that she is like one of the biggest names to come out of this franchise. And again, it completely loses like any future jobs after because of the situation that happened. But Megan as a character is like a complete standout on this season. 
It's insane to me that this woman could just demolish these people strategically like she does in this episode. Like, why hasn't she been cast on Survivor? Like, this <laughs> this person watching them move was just, it was crazy. She has the longest torso in the world. Like, first of all, let's be very clear. She is just like, like 12 miles of just strategy and like blonde and it is incredible i loved every second of it i just didn't expect this from her like i remember her being funny and likable but i did not remember her being a strategic mastermind yeah and this was refreshing i mean this is i remember i love money season one really being like her season and i think like if she's the pumpkin brandy c is sort of like the toasty of like the 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 big personality filled sidekick but like I mean, again, spoiler for the season, once she sort of gets her hooks in right now with the secret alliance, it's going to become a a big part of it. And it's just, it is so much fun to watch. Because again, you're talking about like big, intense competition. Here's Megan, who literally wears a bikini every single second of the show. (laughs) The point that the host is going to point this out of like, you have not not worn a bikini since we stepped foot in here. Uh, But she is able to somehow convince... The person who she told on day one, like, your saggy boobs suck, uh, to, like, her, basically make fun of her boobs, she ends up mind-effing her into keeping her in the game and getting rid of and getting rid of Chance. It's incredible television. It's a reason why I think we wanted to talk about this episode in particular, but, man, I, I love Megan. Megan is such a... I, I really would have loved to see her on more reality competition shows. Like, she was on Beauty and the Geek. She could have transitioned into one of those more broadcast shows, but... I would imagine, I think, the stigma associated after Megan wants a millionaire, I, I don't think anyone wanted anything to do with her after that. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, moving on to Megan's sidekick, uh, and I'm not talking about her pooch, her little doggy that she keeps with Lily. her. Yeah, oh, Lily, Lily, like, very right now. On April 8th, 2014, Houseman and her pet chihuahua Lily won a trophy in the Lighthouse Point Dog Show for the category Smallest Dog. <laughs> oh, <laughs> So much, so much skill. Someone took out a measuring tape and said, "Here's a trophy. It's like a county fair." She what? Look, her dog has special needs. She said this, and look, like you know, let her dog win the things that they've earned. You know, smallest dog is probably really hard. Some dogs could never win smallest dog, so this is accomplishment in and of itself. Um, But I was talking about, yeah, I was talking about her, her other uh, lackey. For this season, uh, Brandy C from Rock of Love. Now, they refer to her as Brandy C like four times in this episode. And I have to ask, who is the other Brandy? Is there a Brandy A, Brandy B? Like, where are these Brandies? Brandy M. (laughs) Once you get your name in this franchise, as you know, you can see with a pumpkin or chance or real, uh, it sticks. So Brandy C is Brandy C. That is her nickname for all intents and purposes. She uh, was part of like the, for lack of a better term, I think they refer to themselves as like, a set of dumb blonde twins like they're not actually twins but like we get drunk and we party and we love this and like they fully embraced that persona and it was a fun personality that didn't take her super far but like it was good enough to end up back on i love money mm-hmm. and brandy c is she's megan's sidekick but is she like her like tag team partner like is this the becky to her yule or is she just like hanging out while megan does all the like heavy lifting mike mm. I mean, she sort of is like uh, Megan's meat shield in a way, right? Like she is, she is the the pawn star of I Love Money. I think she says in this episode that she's in the bottom like four times in a row because she is 
far and away the weakest person in this competition by far. I think Megan's Chihuahua could probably do better in these challenges <laughs> than Brandy C could. But the great thing about the show and actually why I think the challenge structure is genius is because the weaker you are, theoretically speaking, the more you get kept in the game. And so the really fun thing about the show usually is that especially in these first few episodes when you had these sort of like uh, three-on-one dates that they would go into, people would try to purposely come across as weak so that the the paymaster from the other team would keep them in the game. Like I remember there was one episode where Toasty pretends to break her ankle so that she comes across... <laughs> week like mr boston i think fakes seasickness and like pretends he's throwing up in a bucket so that everyone will think okay these are the weak links we have to keep them in the game but no one was a better master of that than brandy c so she is kept in by the virtue of the fact that she is not very good at anything but she like to your point Chappelle, like acknowledges it and that's also really fun too Mm-hmm. it's not that she's like a master of it she's not trying but she knows it like at least she has the self-awareness she goes and into the point where even like megan comes up with these master plans hinging on and obviously brandy will go in the box because no one will send her home and brandy's like yes of course i will i have no problem with that <laughs> because she knows no one's ever sending her home she is the weakest competitor in the competition she is like barely paying attention to like any strategy but like is there and she's a fun personality as much as people may or may not love her uh, on the cast, she is like a good TV personality. Brandy C seems like she has to try to play weak the same way that uh, Megan's dog has to play and act like it's the smallest dog in the room. Exactly. (laughs) She wins the award for weakest competitor. Right. She's trying really hard to win this award and far and away she does it. Um, Since we're talking about Rock of Love, I have to ask, how did Rodeo not win Rock of Love? Because this person seems like they are built for a Rock of Love. Like this, this person came out of like the Brett Michaels is going to pick me factory. How does Rodeo end up not winning Rock of Love and ending up on I Love Money, Mike Bloom? Well, so that's a big thing. I remember actually, so I watched the first season of Rock of Love before I, tr- I turned out actually, I don't know. There were a couple people that kept me along. I really liked Lacey. Uh, Heather, who we're going to talk about, was a big part of Rock of Love season one. But Rodeo, to your point, Chappelle, like she comes in with the bedazzled cowboy hat and you're like, this is a clone of Brett Michaels, essentially. Like, I think he has literally found the concept of a soulmate embodied in this person. But I know from what I remember, I believe she had a son back home and she was like feeling really emotional, uh, really missing him. And so I remember, I think Brett Michaels actually like called her down and said, like, I know you're really missing being with your son right now. I think you should go be with him. I, I don't know if you could handle being here long enough, so I have to get rid of you. So, like, it wasn't necessarily his choice. It was more so, like, he saw the situation in front of him and is like, she's probably going to quit anyway. I, I think we just let her go right now. Oh, I didn't know that. How did, did she come back for the second season? Does she like a New York where they, like, bring her back because she's obviously who this person should be picking? Scotty, what happens here? No, I don't think Rodeo ever shows up outside of a charm school appearance. She definitely, like, missed the sun. I also feel like with Flavor Flav and Brett Michaels and whoever else, like, they have a significant other while still doing the show. Like, yeah. they're not ending up with them, like, in reality. So with Brett Michaels, it's like, okay, she's missing her son. I'm not actually ending up with this person at the end of the show anyway. Goodbye. So Rodeo, <laughs> like, clicks great with Brett Michaels. She's a little bit of a grating personality for others, but uh, ultimately does not go the distance on her first season of Rock of Love. 
Yeah, she doesn't have much of an appearance in this episode either, but I did notice her and she stood she stood out because how can you miss her? She's so loud and she's so fun. And uh so it's sad to see that her her season of Rock of Love ended. But somebody else from Rock of Love um who didn't really have much of an appearance in this episode, uh let's talk about Heather Chadwell. Now, Scally, a Rock of Love, you were you were in it. Heather Chadwell, how did she manage to lose? Cuz you think with Rodeo out of the way, this is something that Heather can <laughs> scoop up relatively easily. So, Heather. Heather was a standout on season one of Rock of Love. Heather uh, still thinks she's a standout to this day. (laughs) She ends up going the distance on Rock of Love, getting Brett's name tattooed on her neck, which is still there in high quality. (laughs) Yes. And um, it is edited, at least, where Brett Michaels says basically to the final two contestants, uh, what if I don't want to choose just one of you and I want to date both of you after this? Would you be down for that type of a situation? And Heather is edited to seem like she is saying, yeah, I'm down. And thus, they decide (laughs) she is eliminated from the show. (laughs) So, I don't know if it was, again, a matter of Heather ending up with Brett or not. She seems, I think she talks about in the show, even like being in contact with him and being friendly with him, but... uh, uh, yeah, Heather was never going to be the winner of the show. I don't think VH1 uh, wanted Heather as the winner, unfortunately, for Heather. Mm-hmm. Thoughts on Heather, Mike? I mean, she's she. it's weird because, like you said, like I don't think she's well represented in this particular episode. She's been trying to... I feel like she's been trying to sort of break her way into something, especially in the, like this day and age of the reality TV landscape. Like I know her and Lacey, who I mentioned before, have a podcast. I think they actually hosted a reunion uh, of that I Love Money season that never aired uh, with some people because Lacey was supposed to be on it. Uh, and so I and I think she's like I think she has like twenty five thousand followers on twenty five thousand sorry followers on Instagram or something as well. So like she's made some sort of name for herself. It's not as big of a name as maybe she would want, but. I do remember she was also very like uh, argumentative as well. Like she was a very headstrong person who made it far in that first season. And I think from what I recall correctly, I think she does end up losing to like the quote unquote nice girl in rock of love. Right. Exactly. And as for that podcast, um, Heather and Lacey very much did start a podcast in, you know, 2020. It's in quarantine. Everyone's starting podcasts now. Um, Heather definitely did end up leaving the podcast <gasps> because uh, very, pretty early because um basically early on it was a lot of like we have a podcast and heather being like so sponsors give me free things please (laughs) multiple times an episode um and then i think the breaking point was lacy wanting to invite on one megan hauserman who heather was very much (laughs) not down to have on the podcast (laughs) which led to uh the breakup of lacy and heather having a podcast oh my god megan has caused so much turmoil for so many Megan is poison at this point, unlike the poison <laughs> frontman that she tried to date. Yeah, pretty much. Every rose has its thorn. Listen, I want to know why Heather is so against Megan coming on the show. Scally, what's the tea here? What do we? What happens on I Love Money that drives a wedge between these two women? Oh, I mean, on I Love Money, like every single person ends up hating Megan. She organizes like you know schemes and plots to get them all eliminated. I know they both end up on Rock of Love Charm School, where they were very much on opposite sides. Uh, Megan knew what she was there to do; had already allegedly received her promise of her own show, which, according to Heather and also Lacey, they had also received the same promises. Of course, but <laughs> Megan is the one who ends up actually going there. She is going to play the same character of. 
you know, Chappelle mentioned Chilltown earlier of Dr. Will. Mike compared her to Janelle in that I do think she is the type where I think I'm better than you and I'm going to tell you I think I'm better than you. And so Heather does not take kindly to that and still holds a grudge to this day to the point where she is willing to throw away the podcast that she has built, you know, whatever, 20-something episodes. Maybe she lasted. <laughs> I'm, I'm oh, surprised wow. that Megan wasn't able to convince her to, like, you know, come back, pull, pull some of that Megan mist and be like, ah, no, 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 you want to oh. come back <laughs> next to the podcast right now and talk to me. No, Megan's style is still now being like, oh, Heather, Heather's so pathetic. Why does she still think this? Like, that is still Megan. <laughs> yes. And then she'll bring her on the show, right? <laughs> um, I don't I don't know if you guys were aware, but Rob's going to give me my own show, too. And I heard he's going to give each of y'all your own show as well. So, you know. <laughs> this yeah, is so, like, I, how did these people not put two and two together and, like, stage some sort of revolt? or something right like why have the peasants not risen up of like wait a minute the kid promises all 18 shows to air you know this is not like the ridiculousness where it's going to air on every hour they can't possibly give out like, two dozen spin-off shows yeah well so heather claims that megan stole her show that daisy stole her show yeah it is definitely a thing where and to heather's credit like she was a big name big personality on here definitely like although not a big character in this episode like a great one on vh1 uh unfortunately though it is not going to materialize in a spinoff for heather yeah, well, the last of the cast that we have to talk about does not get his own show, to my knowledge, but I, for some reason, I only remember him, like, I see this person and I think Tool Academy. I do not think I yeah. love New York. This is 12-pack. 12-pack is here, and that's a thing. Do we have yeah. any opinion about 12-pack? 12-pack, <laughs> I think, unfortunately, was two years too early on the Jersey Shore craze. Like, he very <laughs> much looks styled from that, right? Whether it's through the frosted hair and, like, the button-down shirts. Obviously, the nickname came from the fact that he had very well-defined abs. So I feel like he was ahead of the curve on this one. It's, it's crazy because I just – I don't remember him vividly at all. So to mm. see him in this episode, like – what is 12-pack bringing to this show that we need 12-pack? Is it just the abs? I mean, these people are almost always in bathing suits, like Megan, who is literally always in a bathing suit. So do we bring 12-pack just, just because of the 12-pack, Scally? I think that's definitely a consideration. 12-pack did have a storyline, uh, again, talking to this being of a time and definitely problematic, where 12-pack's uh, sexuality was questioned quite a bit based on uh, his occupation of bartending at a gay bar, I believe. So 12-pack uh, was a bigger character on his original season. But even here, he does get into a semi-relationship with Heather. Uh, unfortunately for 12-pack, he decides to then start flirting with Megan, who runs that and exaggerates it to heather immediately to use for her own good so he is a uh decent character but when you take like the best characters from every show eventually some of them are going to appear smaller by comparison to all of the other best characters that are also here and guess mm -hmm. guess who started a youtube channel this past <laughs> year dave amerman <laughs> aka 12 pack <laughs> What is the content of this YouTube channel? Like, if it's right, not me, straight me abs, who's some watching it? Yeah, here's some video titles. Uh, okay, looks like looks like a bunch of these are actually just like uh, filming plays uh, that I'm assuming he was in. Hopefully, but it looks like he did some more recent reality TV stuff. Uh, he did the twelve the twelve pack watch party podcast, uh, where basically they're watching things like uh, watching episodes of I Love New York. 
They did a couple of those. And his most recent guest, he stopped putting out videos six months ago. And his lace, his last guest was Lacey from Rock of Love. Wow. <laughs> so the chain just continues of people yeah. coming on and then ruining other people's podcasts. The old, I'll do yours if you do mine, I guess, of content. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> <The> pack mantra. <laughs> okay. Well, this is an incredible cast. I'm glad we took the time to kind of dive in here, but we do have to talk about the episode at some point. Again, I do want to say that this is the most problematic show that we've watched on the rewind and it's not close, but this was a blast. So the episode starts off with, I guess, them kind of you know, recounting what happened on the last couple, you know, episode with the elimination. Uh, and I do want to get into the, um, like the strategy and the actual format of the show because, um, we see people talking about like, oh, well, this person was put in the box and then they eliminated this person from the box. And I'm like, what's the box? Is it like, you know, like, is it, is it like a casket? Is it some type of dark box? Like, no, they just mean like a, like a check deposit box. So, yeah. uh, Mike, can you give us the rundown of how the show is won? All right. So at this moment, because it's going to go to individual in a couple of episodes, but at this moment, there are two teams. There is a green team and a gold team. There is a challenge. Each team elects a captain for that challenge. And one team wins, one team loses. The team that wins, that winning captain is now given the title of Paymaster. And what the Paymaster must do, they're single-handedly in charge of eliminating someone from the other team. What then happens is that losing team goes into the vault where they all have about maybe like three foot wide novelty checks that have each of their names on there. They must then nominate amongst themselves three people to put in the box for elimination. And so sometimes it gets very heated. Um, you know, there's like a time limit as well. Like they have to come to a consensus or else the other team picks. But once those three people are nominated, they go on uh, an afternoon getaway with the paymaster, where essentially they have to convince the paymaster to not eliminate them. That night, the paymaster actually has the, uh, the host has like a giant void stamp and they choose who to eliminate, a.k.a. whose check to void meaning because each one has the check already written out for $250,000. So essentially what they're doing is just invalidating the checks person by person. Uh, and so it's really just like a, a prop stand in, but yeah, the box refers to what almost looks like a comment box you have at your work. It's a lock box with a slit at the top of it. And that's where they drop the checks in. Okay. Do we like this galley? Um, I think it's, you know, like we've said, the show doesn't take itself too seriously. It treats itself like a joke. We do get to the point where Craig Jackson does have to enter the vault with them after in a previous episode. There is a little bit of a physical altercation of someone trying to keep their check out of the box. So, um, yeah, Mr. Boston was not a willing, uh, he did not love what was happening in terms of the vote. But yeah, it is a fun format where I think that you know, you want to be strong in challenges, but not too strong where you're a target for the other team. There's, it encourages, uh, cross team alliances, which I think people definitely catch on to. And this episode, I would say, is where the season really amps up. Yeah. yeah. How, how has another reality show not stolen this? You know, like we've talked about, I mean, the, between the three of us, we've talked about a lot of competition reality shows. We, and we'll talk about like, you know, shows like Big Brother where it seems like one side of the house just keeps winning and you can never, like, we can never get to these people out because they're in this huge alliance and they keep winning. But we'll see in this episode that with the, I guess the person in power, the, 
Paymaster? Is that mm-hmm. the Paymaster? The, the yeah. Paymaster. The, the, the HOH, you know, keeps rotating every episode. So now it's like, well, it's just this person's turn. And now when it gets whittled down to what is it? The six people on the green team, they're in a situation where they're at the mercy of like one of us has to go into elimination because there's only, there's only six people and three of us are always up. So as a format, this is interesting. How do we not do this again? Like, do we ever see something else like this, Mike? I don't think so. I mean, again, when the challenge does like team challenges, they sometimes do this right. But this this show does not deserve this good of a structure to it. Like, it really <laughs> is pretty damn genius to, 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 you know, to to both of your points. Like, it both encourages cooperation and competition. And that, like you said, you want to do rah-rah go team, but you also want to broker deals with the other team to be like, well, listen, uh, CYA, if I end up losing, I want to make sure that like I am covered on all ends. And that's when you also get into deals of throwing challenges to, to possibly protect other people. That's what Pumpkin brings up in this episode, right? Where Megan essentially is like, yeah, sure, whatever. I'll throw the challenge, I guess, to, to keep you in the game. So there's actually like a lot of surprising strategic value that can be milked out of this structure that I am very, very surprised not a lot of other, if any other, reality shows have utilized. Because, yeah, this is a formula that doesn't really get broken during I Love Money, nor should it, because there really isn't a way to break it that much. Because even if you make an ironclad alliance, since the paymaster job has to rotate, there's a good chance that like an outsider is going to become paymaster, and then your, your plan is blown to smithereens. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's interesting that you said that, too, because this is the cast of people like these people don't need a lot of strategic maneuvering. Right. Like these are the people we put on here because they're train wrecks and they're fun to watch and they're funny and they're crazy and they're cooking, and they're fighting and all this other stuff. And now like, you have people like Megan who has to like step up and make this big power play in the middle of the season. Like this is what we asked for in like Big Brother All Stars 2 or whatever. Season 21, you know, like we, like this is what you want. And then we end up getting stuck with like, you know, what we get. And so it's so funny that this is like, it took this crazy cast of characters to have this good of a, like of a format for a television show. And then when we get like great strategic minds, they end up on shows and we, we watch a bunch of pecongings and things of that nature. So it's, it's so weird. Scotty, what were your thoughts about this as a whole, as a format? Oh, I love the format. I, I think that it is, Simple enough for this cast who may not be the most strategically minded to like figure out and get behind. They don't need to throw in a ton of twist because it's formatted well. So yeah. I, even though it only really, you know, films four airs three seasons, we never have to really mix it up too much because it's so well put together. Yeah, I liked it a lot. I was I was shocked, honestly. I was just like, I can't believe this is happening, especially just watching Megan just, I mean, trounce these people the way right. she was. Well, I think it's it also, like, this particular configuration also, I mean, you're talking about pagongings. This is something that certainly helps that, where the narrative coming into this is that the Stallionaires have a cross-team alliance, right? Where it's the trio of White Boy, Chance, and Real, and then Hoops, Toasty, and Pumpkin, on the other side essentially it's like uh you know the the i love new york guys and the the flavor of love girls are are working together at this point and so because you know the the green team loses once again there were only five people and because the rules say you have to put three people in the bottom 
now, you know, the Stallionaires are forced to turn on their own. Now, that part is the least dramatic because Chance decides to, to step in. But, like, that's the kind of stuff that makes majority alliances really have cracks emerge, right? Of, like, okay, now you have to reveal... Like, this is a coconut shop, essentially. You have to reveal your mm-hmm. pecking order here. It is something that could potentially expose weak cracks where even if a team keeps losing and outsiders keep getting picked off, the format means you'll get to a certain point where people in the majority alliance will have to get thrown into the bottom. And then something could happen, like what we see in this episode, where someone's like, oh, this is too good of an opportunity to not take. Uh, and then the whole game gets turned upside down as a result. Mm-hmm. Even earlier in the season, there is almost a point where, oh, wait, there are only three stallionaires. We could easily turn against this. But Megan has a crush on White Boy and is willing to throw away the dreams of being a trophy wife away for him, uh, ultimately sides with them for, you know, some deals of staying out of the box in the future. But eventually it's unavoidable. They're going in. So, you know, this is going to turn on its head multiple times, regardless of like which team ends up winning, even if it's one over and over. Oh, Megan. Yeah, we're going to talk about her so much. But yeah, let's start (laughs) at the beginning of the episode. We have... uh, it looks like the entertainer is laying in the bed and kind of gives you those like that meme of Wolverine looking at, at like the little picture <laughs> and longingly. And he's like, I miss Destiny so much. Destiny was so be- They were just jealous of her. They got rid of Destiny. I'm like, who is Destiny? Was Destiny a rock of love girl? She was. Yeah. And she got, yeah. she got eliminated last time. And uh, well, I b- actually believe Scally, correct me if I'm wrong. In a previous episode, entertainer eliminates someone because he's flirting with destiny. Like, I think he has the chance actually to get rid of a stallion or somebody else, but he chooses not to and gets rid of someone else. Cause he's like, Oh, you're sniffing around my girl. Speaking of sniffing, of course, Frank, the entertainer showing how he is absolutely going to be starring in a show called the basement affair by talking about how destiny left a smell on the sheets that he just is <laughs> luxuriating in. Yes. Uh, it was destiny and heat were in a short lived, you know, showmance. If Frank, the entertainer gains power, ends up sending heat home, uh, you know, early in the season, only for destiny to follow soon after, but don't worry. We get confirmation in the clips that show that destiny spent two nights in the basement. So all as well, that ends well for Frank and destiny. Oh, <laughs> uh, see. And, and these people are saying they have shows. They, they, <laughs> oh yeah. Like destined, like flirting with destiny. That's a show. Destiny and Heat. <laughs> that's a show. These people are the ones who deserve the show, not White Boy. <laughs> like, who, yeah. Who no, I don't know. I mean, about? listen, uh, if, I guess Megan was showing the magnetism or magnetism of White Boy and <laughs> that, like, I guess maybe he's deserving of a show. I want to speak for a second, though, about I forgot about the opening credits uh, before I watched this episode. So, so just emblematic of the late 2000s, right? Like, you have the semi, so it's almost like a weird gif of everyone sort of fighting over the money. But I think my favorite is the theme song where they do the the Green Day thing, right? Where, like, the guy sings like this, like he's on a bad <laughs> <Yeah>. PA system. <laughs> I just, I, I loved when music used to do that, where they thought, yeah, you know what? Bad audio quality is what we want to hear right now. Let's make sure we put it in every one of our songs. And they, they bring it out here as well with the I Love Money guy. Yeah, it's so funny with them, like, it's like opening and closing a pop-up book with them just moving back yeah. and forth in place. It is so funny. It's great. Like, you get, like, all their personality. I I, I feel like 
theme show theme songs were much better back then. It's a, it's a it's a pop up book you find though, like behind a beaded curtain, right? Oh like, yes. You're like, <laughs> I don't know if I should like this thing feels used, even though it's just in its plastic wrapping. Like I feel like someone has laid eyes upon this, and I don't want to do the same thing. <laughs> yeah, sticky pages, sticky pages. Ew. Um. Yeah. Okay. Well. Yeah. The theme song. I I liked it. It was it was good. I, if we we should be ranking these uh reality TV rewind theme songs because uh, this will be pretty high up on the list. Um. But yeah. So back to White Boy. He is the leader of the Alliance. Uh. And Twelve Pack has identified that like White Boy needs to go home. So Twelve Pack is another person who comes comes off kind of like at least strategically minded in the in the sense that he's willing to like acknowledge that White Boy is running everything. Um. But he's in no position to make a move because he's not in charge this time. Um. As you said, the Alliance has kind of panned out to where po- Pumpkin Toasty uh, Rodeo Hoops and White Boy are aligned with Chance and Real on one side, and then you have um what Brandy C and Megan trying to flip uh Toasty and Pumpkin to their side. Um, and it's really going to come down to basically who's in charge for the week, like who's the paymaster, because they're the ones who gets to decide who gets eliminated. Uh, what did y'all think about Megan, like in her first strategic move and like going to flip Pumpkin? Because this was wild to watch, Mike. I mean, I it loved it. And it was like the perfect pitch to make, right? Which is like, because again, in this in this show, strong as weak in this initial thing where it's, you know, the weaker you are, the more likely you're going to stay in. And so like, it's a perfect pitch to make. You say, look, it's very obvious we are four, consider four of the weakest people here. But if we work together, we find strength in numbers in that regard. And let's start getting rid of threats, as it were. We even saw that a bit with, with the entertainer and heat stuff, as Scally mentioned. And so I, I really love the pitch. And I love the, this, this, these, the, the secrecy of it as well. Uh, you know, I don't know if I find it kinky, as Pumpkin would say. <laughs> but I think it's such a fun idea, right? That it's essentially like, here are the bottom feeders on both teams, people who you would never expect to make the finals together. And maybe in a different world, they would have stuck together and actually made the final four because the meek shall inherit right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And coming into this episode, pumpkin and toasty find themselves already aligned with the stallionaires and hoops, but hoops views herself as the leader of them. They're going to do what she says. So for them, like, yeah, sure. There is team camaraderie on the gold team so far. They haven't really had to throw each other in. So them as a six really think that like, Oh, we're all doing okay, but they recognize, which is good that they are at the bottom. And Megan recognizing that even though her and pumpkin do not like each other and have told each other as much, uh, it's good on her for actually capitalizing on an opportunity that is in front of her. Yeah, they talk about a lot how they don't trust Megan. Like, that is the recurring thing of the show going forward and, I guess, previous to this. But it's not like they don't trust her because she's a strategic mastermind. I don't think they even know that about her until, like, they go back and watch this. They don't trust her because they're catty women, right? Like, at this point, they are at each other's throats. And it's like, your boobs are saggy. We're like, oh, okay, woo like, I don't trust her, you know? So it's so weird that, like, she can come to you with such a strategically sound plan, like, hey, listen we are at the bottom we're next and then it's you they're never going to pick you over each other come with us and they're like yeah but you said my boobs were sagging yeah Yeah. like that's that plays in my head every day (laughs) you come for my boobs you come for me quite literally it's such a weird balance like it is in every reality show a personal versus strategic right you mentioned before the entertainer being like basically this isn't strategic this is personal real is going to say at the end of the episode like i don't consider this a game you know i take things personally but then you have it here where essentially pumpkin's going to push away her personal feelings towards brandy that she's going to vocalize throughout the episode and it's like 
yeah, I think this is the better deal. I mean, it also really makes sense from Pumpkin's perspective in what outcome is going to give me the most camera time. Mm-hmm. And you know that her getting rid of Chance, like, she's going to get people yelling at her. Maybe if she's lucky, someone else will throw her into a camera. Like, she she has got TV time on lock if she gets rid of Chance. So I'm fairly sure when she wins, like, despite some weighing back and forth, I think she's going to make that decision for good TV. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I mean, it's not as if Megan and Pumpkin were on the same show. The fight originally comes from, again, on the first day when they're asked what they're going to do with their money. Pumpkin says, I'm going to get a boob job. And Megan, though very shadily, agrees, saggy boobs suck. And Pumpkin says, like, well, at least mine are real. As if she did not say that she is trying to get a boob job <laughs> three <laughs> seconds before this. So it is, yes. They very much do not like each other, but they don't have the history of being on previous shows and like throwing insults for almost, you know, what is it? Months and years at this point. They have just met each other on this show. Yeah. And and it's, and Mike makes a very good point in that you want the ball in Pumpkin's hands on this round, right? Like, if you want to tell me the show was rigged, okay, fine. They wanted White Boy to win. He's going to get his own show, blah, 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 blah. But if you have to rig a moment, the moment one stallionaire can go up for elimination of all of these people, who do you want to be in that position? Who, despite all like, you know, like, oh, what, what about the, uh, like the negative connotation? Like, what'll happen if, well, how are they going to react? What if somebody like gets violent? Like, oh my gosh, who do you want in that moment? You want pumpkin. Yeah. And so I would, I would argue that if anything was rigged, this might have been the moment. How does Pumpkin end up the head of the team on this particular elimination? Well, I wonder if it's unsaid, because as you look at the pattern of the Paymasters, it very much goes where each person ends up taking a turn. I don't think we ever get any repeat team captains, so I don't know if there is any format structure in place where, like, okay, you do it once, everyone else on the team has to do it before you can go again. Uh, but it seems to be at least what these people have come to agree on. So that at least helps in getting Pumpkin Paymaster here. Yeah, well, because I think it also helps then Megan's pitch, right? Because she's going to tell Pumpkin, like, no, I'm Paymaster next, no matter what, because everyone takes a turn, right? Like, they, you would imagine it would have been much better gameplay for the Stallionaires to be like, okay, we're just going to Bogart the Paymaster and just, like, you know, distribute mm-hmm. it between the three of us. But because they decided to go with this chore wheel thing, Megan's set up to be Paymaster so she can really offer Pumpkin the world in saying, like, look, if our team wins, I'm the one in charge and I'm not getting rid of you. If we lose, you know, you're not going to get rid of me. So it, it really helps that, that things fall the way that they do. Uh, yeah, and I think this is, I don't know if this is mandatory or something that the contestants just decided to do of shuffling around. I know that it, it seems like it's at least a little based on the challenge, right? Where, like, they'll look at the challenge and they'll be like, okay, who's who's most well-suited for this? Though, again depending on whatever the circumstances may be. Uh, I think finding someone well-suited for that is really a a high bar to clear, uh, considering that these people do not possess really any applicable skills for anything (laughs) resembling the real world. Mike, that's offensive. Stop it. You know, these people can (laughs) do things. Um, Yeah, and to the challenge. So the host calls on the phone right I'm, I'm like, like that oh i remember that is that was that t-mobile is that the ba-ba-ba-da? is that the t-mobile yeah he <laughs> yeah, like calls in on the t-mobile sidekick too. you know you want to talk about the challenge that's what that is like mm-hmm. t-mobile sidekick <laughs> too right so he calls in and he's like hey challenge is coming up you guys need to pick a captain and then we're going to the beach and the the host craig jackson what has craig jackson done 
that's the sentence. Like, it, like I've I've only seen Craig Jackson here. Does he go on to have a like a career as a host? I think I saw his Wikipedia page, which was astoundingly short. Uh, but like, because stand up comedian was on there. It's got. Like, have we ever seen him again in the reality TV sphere? It claims he's currently hosting things, but there are less what? lines <laughs> on his Wikipedia than Mike was able to read from episode two of Frank. In the Wait, what, of what, is, what is he hosting? Like backyard plays? What is what is Craig Jackson doing? No, backyard Craig? plays are what uh, are tw- uh, twelve packs a YouTube channel, right? Yeah, maybe that's, that's the thing. Was- Craig Jackson's hosting twelve packs backyard plays. <laughs> It says Craig currently hosts Discovery Channel's National Body Challenge and co-hosts Midnight Money Madness on TBS while maintaining a name on the stand-up comedy circuit. So Craig Jackson wrote his Wikipedia page. <laughs> is what I'm getting. Body challenge? What the hell does that mean? Like he he clearly loves money because what is this the money the money challenge? What is it called? Money madness. I already closed it. I'm not looking at that money again. Money madness and then the body challenge on Discovery? Uh, put it on the rewind. Okay, we'll talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I want you Fine. to explore all four works on Craig Jackson's IMDb page. Fine, you've twisted my arm. It's done. Don't worry. Um. Okay, so Craig Jackson, never to be seen again. He calls and says, hey, you guys, we have this challenge. You got to pick a captain. And like we were saying, it seems like the captain or like the paymaster has to to rotate. Um. So, like, one team goes with Brandy C. They're like, hey, Brandy C, it's your turn because, like, all the guys have gotten it, right? Like, Real Chance and, um, and White Boy have all done it. The only two other options are Brandy C and Megan here. And so I guess they feel like Brandy C is in the alliance. Everyone hates Megan. We'll let Brandy C take over this time because we don't have a lot of options. But then on the other side, we have Pumpkin, and she volunteers for this. So in, in my head, knowing what I know about Pumpkin – you gotta know that she wants this position, right? Like she yeah. wants this. I know the producers are like, you know, one of the stallionaires are going to be up for elimination. She's like, really? Like, cause <laughs> you would think, like, I don't know who's already been captain at this point, but there has to be somebody a little bit like more, um, probably like pliable to what the stallionaires want to do that they could put in this position that hoops could kind of thrust in the position. And she doesn't. She allows Pumpkin to be in the spotlight and it seems like it's to her own detriment. What did you think about this choice, Mike? Yeah, so I guess I'm looking at the previous episodes. It looks like Toasty was Paymaster last episode, so she couldn't be one. Hoops was, technically she won the first challenge and was like a team captain. I don't know if that counts. Uh, But yeah, I I was surprised that Hoops was not able to like sort of muscle her way in. Maybe she was too busy playing with that damn football did y'all notice that like orange and blue football that just kept popping up that they were beating up later on? Is there only one football that is that all the entertainment that the, the producers provide? It's like you get one football, you make the rest happen, people. Uh, that was the football. only thing like I could pay attention in this scene is that one football. One football and as much alcohol as you could ever want is all that's provided. <laughs> yeah, that alcohol is what changes the game for sure. Um, yeah, even they had to be drunk to think that Pumpkin needs to be in this position right here because <laughs> it just like this is this is not the person you put in the spotlight and think that oh, this week is just going to go normal. Like it's not going <laughs> to be a normal week here. Pumpkin is going to milk all the airtime and she is going to have her moment in the spotlight. Um, Scally, would you allow Pumpkin in this position if you are who? Oops, um, aligned with the other side. 
I'm not letting Pumpkin make any of my life decisions for me. That's not <laughs> happening. But uh, I guess, you know, from Ho- Hoops's uh, point of view, she thinks she controls Pumpkin and Toasty. I know that Toasty uh, was Paymaster before this and does, you know, she doesn't make as big of a move. She doesn't go ahead and, uh, y- you know, stray like a Pumpkin is one to do. So I think that, well, I don't know that Destiny was who the full team wanted eliminated. It is who Hoops wanted eliminated, I think. So I think that uh, probably lends to the decision with last week going so smoothly. Mm, She wants to have her cake and eat it too. She's like, ah, you know what? I can be Paymaster next week. And I can, I'm basically like Paymaster. Again, going back to the HOH example, right? It's like, well, this is basically my HOH. (laughs) I'm up there every day. That sort of is what Hoops is Mm -hmm. dealing at the moment. But to your point, like the dynamite has been lit right mm-hmm. now uh and the fuse is slowly moving by to an eventual explosion yeah there was no suspense in this episode for me the moment i saw pumpkin up like i volunteer i was like well we know what's coming <laughs> like this is the slow burn all the way to the end um so the they go to the beach for the challenge and this is why i said it was giving me strong survivor vibes right so the challenge is uh saving uh the Mac, right? Returning the Mac. Mac is one of the uh, former contestants of I Love Money and also I Love New York. And uh, he goes out early in the season. Um, He goes by another name, but we won't say it out of respect for people in the little people community. But he's a little person. And he, uh, like, he goes out in a very, like, disrespectful and abrasive way. Like, Mac quits the game, essentially, like... He basically forces nobody to pick him because he's being so horrible to everyone. He's cursing out hoops and cursing out Brandy and and getting drunk and demanding things. It's like the whole episode is just like the funeral of, of Mac, right? And it gets to the point where they have to pick teams and whoever isn't chosen goes home and nobody picks Mac. So I was fascinated to see that they decided, no, no, no. Let's use Mac for this challenge. This person who has clearly shown themselves to be problematic on television. We're just going to bring back all his most famous sound bites for this particular challenge where all the contestants are to run out into the ocean, save the Mac dummies, like the body doubles for Mac and bring them back Baywatch style onto a stretcher and then like deliver them to the beach. Is that how everything happens, Mike? Yeah, so this is, you know, while it is coincidental that he won, went on the show in such like a, a, a flaming fashion, uh, this does call back to a moment from his original season in I Love New York 2, where I believe there was a challenge where they had to, each suitor had to swim across a lake and like offer a gift to New York. Uh, this was a couple of episodes before, I kid you not, they had to take a blood oath uh, so again, just showing the competitions that they did on these types of shows. Uh, but Mac was on a flotation device in the middle of the lake and it popped. Uh, and so he was really struggling in the water because he could not swim. Uh, as Craig J. Jackson puts beautifully, another contestant, Buddha, goes in and saves him. And so they're calling back to that moment. But, oh my God, the choice to have his sound bites play Every time they cut back to him, listen, I will fully admit it had me gut bustingly laughing every single time. <laughs> it cut back to this dead ass dummy and Max Hawk like, get me a drink. Or like, what's going on? <laughs> like just to have Max's voice randomly playing every time they cut back to him. 
for some reason, it worked with me in a way that it sh- it shouldn't. You know, like it was so bad, it's good. Yeah, it's it's bad, but it's it's hilarious because this is a real person who said these things, and they're playing them back. Like, can you believe this guy said these things? And yes, he did. Like, he's like, "Give me a drink!" Like, randomly in the middle of the challenge, they grab like the dummy and he says something like, "Like." I'm going home because I hate all of y'all. You know, stuff like that throughout the entire challenge. We're trying to watch these people do something that's very athletic. And then the whole time, the soundtrack is just Mac in the background, like heckling everybody. It's incredible. Uh, Scotty, what did you think about this challenge overall? Um, it was an interesting decision because I, did they have to realize that Mac would be going home early because are you going to do this challenge with him here, saving his own paper mache version of himself? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, <laughs> like, yes, the sound clips, like it is him like yelling at people in the house and then asking for apologies from them for no reason so like uh it is like very well edited in terms of like a tv product but like this challenge is uh definitely an interesting one here it it would be like save ream daily and rob took all the ream sound bites on his soundboard and just like played one every time it cut back to her like even without context it doesn't make any sense they had clearly a few max sound bites saved. It's like, I just throw them out every time they cut back to him. So it's it's like his spirit is still there in person, even if it doesn't make sense. Yeah. And what would they have done had he got this far, though? Like, what what was he going to do had it been like, all right, Mac, it's episode six. Now swim out and save yourself because you clearly did very well in the water last time. Like, what were they going to do if Mac made it this far? Uh, Mac would be sitting out or that challenge is losing just like chance is not kissing Mr. Boston. Mac is not going in that water. I mean, could it be a thing though? Again, is the finger on the scale where they're like, he's not going to make it this far. Like, let's be (laughs) honest. He's not going to make it to episode six. I think we're okay putting it here. Yeah. And Mac did show up. Not like Mac got drunk in the house. Mac showed up drunk. It was acknowledged by the other contestants. They were like, oh yeah, I think Mac had too much to drink on the boat over to the show. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, it, this was never going well for him. Uh, the idea that you have a challenge that is featuring one of the, cur- the current contestants stunt double body doubles like 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 that's crazy to me like what is the next challenge like okay let's see who could spit on pumpkin the best <laughs> like, how do you where do you well, draw actually, the line no, a couple episodes from now they do not on pumpkin but they do like a spitting olympics in honor of the uh, the the moment and pumpkin's a part of that does pumpkin win the challenge I do not believe so. I think it is uh, Mr. Basement Affair himself, Frank the Entertainer, ends up winning. And that's why she doesn't deserve a show. Because if you can't win the challenge about the thing that you're known about the most, then yes, give it to the entertainer. I I rest my case here. Pumpkin, you fumbled the bag. Uh, the, The challenge in and of itself was very athletic like they run out they dive into the ocean they swim out they dive down they unhook the the mac dummy from the carabiner this was right out of survivor i've seen it yeah. i've seen no, it done. I, mean, I i i just uh finished watching the premiere of survivor south africa this is the first stage in the immunity challenge the first immunity challenge of the season was go save mac ropelets uh <laughs> that, that's sort of that case here so yeah it, this was probably the most survivory challenge that they've had yet uh, and that being said, it, it seemed to be fairly close. I mean, there's not really much about the challenge. The only exception being when Pumpkin accidentally, like, vivisects one of the Mac dummies into, like, three different pieces, and they have to <laughs> drag all of his body parts across the line. Yeah. Any standout, Scally? 
um, from this, I like, you know, there's just like funny editing moments. They have like Megan running in her bikini and like white boy talking about her and real talking about her and Brandy talking about her. And then like pumpkin refusing to go underwater chance, like really not having a great time. This challenge. Yeah. Wait, um, wait. I, I love the pumpkin stuff because so it's pumpkin and toasty pumpkin steps up to the challenge being like, yeah, I was on the swim team and then says, <laughs> I'm not going underwater because there are sharks around when they're, as pointed out before, like they said, it's like literally right offshore. You're fine. Just dive down. And so she makes poor Toasty like dive down and basically drown struggling with this carabiner while Pumpkin's like, I'm looking for a fin. There's gotta be, I'm going to get bitten to pieces by sharks if I even dip my, my eyes underwater at this point. Ah, see, the, like, uh, being on alert is a much better angle where I was like, does Pumpkin think that you can only get attacked if you make eye contact with the shark underwater? <laughs> like, what is the reasoning here for refusing? Yeah, maybe, maybe she's just spooked of just, like, being antagonized by everyone and everything around her, right? Of, like, <laughs> there might be a shark that just approaches me from behind and pushes me, you know, if, if I try to split, spit on it a little bit. It's not attracted to blood, it's attracted to spit. She she just you you go out into the ocean, you choose to be the team captain for this particular challenge, and then you're saying, Oh, well, I don't want to get bit by a shark. Then get out of the ocean, pumpkin. Like, give it up for Toasty for like single-handedly saving the challenge for them. Because if it was not the pumpkin, they would have just been out there throwing it. Um, because she had no intention of going underwater. Toasty yeah, stepped but, up and I was shocked. I mean, just imagine again the survivor challenge where it's like, you know, Chris and Matt out in the water. Chris is like, I can't, man. Sharks. <laughs> you can eat like, me alive. You, go, you gotta go down in there. In the water. You're in the water. It's fine. He's like, no, can't, don't, can't look under there. Eighty-five percent of your body is already visible <laughs> to any sharks that are nearby. It's not like they see the head and like, whoa, that's a human. Oh my god! <laughs> I didn't know. I thought it was just. A, uh, I thought it was one of these, these these dummies that's floating around. <laughs> The difference between the Mac dummy and uh, Pumpkin is that Pumpkin actually would have looked underwater. See that? Yeah. So you're probably yeah, right. There's, there's probably something there. Um, Toasty ends up basically saving the challenge for that team and they win. And they say this is what their fourth win in a row. How does this work? Like the team should be very lopsided at this point. If one team has been winning or do are they like reward challenges as well sometime? No, I think they started with a big number, right? Cause they like, I think they won the first challenge too. So, how like how many contestants were there? There were nine, seven, seventeen total. Yep, eight on each team. Yeah, okay. Max gone. So yeah, so if it's eight on each team, and I think it's down to the six, how do you lose four challenges in a row? I'm confused. No, they, yeah, no, there were five. It's five to seven, right? That's what they said in mm. the the van on the way over. Uh, I know that you were probably paying attention to Chappelle to what Megan did with her T-shirt rather than the numbers that they stacked up, which she turned <laughs> yeah, into like the V-neck. <laughs> It was so <laughs> random. I definitely caught that. Um, yeah, so they lose all these challenges and uh, add this to the list because it looks like, for me, Toasty's the MVP of the challenge, but I mean, there were a lot of incredible athletes out here at swimming, like hoops, white boys swam really well. Um, you know, we don't have to talk about Chance because he just struggled and donkey paddled his way out there, but there was a few people who stepped up to the plate and I was very happy to see it. Um, but white boy is pretty clear. They're like, okay, we lost this challenge, but... It's fine because we still have Megan and and Brandy C who can go into the box at any time, and then Megan and of course Megan of course starts working on Pumpkin because she can't rely on Brandy C to do any strategic maneuvering. Um, so this is the second time she goes to uh 
pumpkin and tries to like pitch herself and pumpkin says she's afraid of the backlash that she could get now scotty do you believe that pumpkin is actually afraid of the backlash or that she just thinks like this is more dramatic than i'm willing to like handle right now yeah uh, we are not in the age of social media that we are then i know they had what vh1 famous friends.com advertised in every commercial yes (laughs) i don't know if either of you had a profile on i did not personally but uh you know i'm sure pumpkin was very popular there and was not looking for the blowback but i don't think that is going to stop her from doing what she ultimately wants i think everyone felt safe because on the surface megan and pumpkin hate each other obviously she is just going to send home either megan or brandy uh but megan knows better and is thinking ahead of most of these people yeah mm-hmm. despite the fact that even in this moment pumpkin's calling megan a conniving bitch so i really do think like again maybe maybe this is my tinfoil hat going on here my tinfoil bikini uh but i i personally think that it's like pumpkin pumpkin knows how to make a good tv moment she's building this up of like i hate megan's guts if there was someone i could ba- banish from this plane of existence it would be her but I have to keep her to get rid of a stallion. Like she is playing this up so, so much. And so that's where we're really getting all this coming in. Uh, And then they just decide to add in some random like ADR of the dog licking yogurt off a spoon at the end of it, just to nail the point home. (laughs) Just to remind you that this is, I love money. That's another thing I noticed too. There's I love money logo is just popping up randomly in the middle of the screen. Like it's not even in the bottom corner. It's like, random like a little off center but it's huge right it's like exploding into like this big pink and lime green logo every like minute and a half why are they doing this mike what does is this like a thing that vh1 was doing like did they do this on celebrity fit club is yeah. this, or is this just like for i love money in general I don't know. I think I think this this is a hallmark of some reality TV, right? Where like where they cut two commercial breaks, they would like show like the this is the show you're watching. Remember, uh, you know, it's really <laughs> like a dramatic way to to cut to it. Especially like I feel like when maybe it's like on Hell's Kitchen is what I think of, right? Where they're like the person I'm sending home is cut to Hell's Kitchen logo. Right. Uh, it's, it's a good way, I guess, to like punctuate it and send the point home. But I think it's because the I Love Money logo is so lack of a better term garish that it maybe sticks out a bit more than maybe some of these other reality tv iconography mm-hmm. it's just huge and gaudy and in the way <laughs> but i would wear it give me a shirt please <laughs> someone find me one <laughs> the, sh- the shirt has to like it has to pop up on the shirt though like randomly it can't just be like the logo on your shirt all the time it's just uh, you walking around and then it just like explodes out of the shirt like it does unfor- unfortunately show. i mean scally i can get you a lot of t-shirts that just say i heart money on it but i don't <laughs> think the, i don't think the no, point no, would no. come across <laughs> not, the same. not the same um so brandy and megan are also i'm sorry brandy c and megan are also like talking about the whole pumpkin thing and they don't trust her either and they have reason to not trust pumpkin because obviously pumpkin is you know pumpkin's here for the television moment uh, but also pumpkin could just chicken out like this is megan's hail mary she has to make this happen brandy c is there nodding her head as she does and megan's like look we have to trust pumpkin she sucks but we really don't have another option here and so they go into the vault now i wasn't prepared for this now i was thinking the box was a thing but then they end up inside an actual money like bank vault and they make the whole team go in there and stand and Craig Jackson comes in and then they like they deliberate. Craig comes in and says, OK, who do we vote for? But they have to stand in the vault to do it. Do they keep the box in the vault? I'm, I'm confused as why there's a vault when yeah. they're all walking around with these big checks anyway. Yeah. So they because that's the whole thing that happened before. Right. Is that they have to physically put the checks 
into the box. Now, the moment that that Scotty talks about before is that Mr. Boston sort of takes advantage of the opportunity to be like, you know, thinking and thinking man meme, uh, you know, can't put my check in the box if they can't physically get to it. Uh, but yeah, like the, the whole ceremonial aspect is, as you said, Chappelle, stand in this empty ass room for <laughs> like 10 minutes where there's not even chairs talk it through and then like to to signify the end of it you have to put the checks in but then according to craig it also has to be like formalized to him as to like not only who's going in but also how many votes are being counted towards this person because apparently i don't know maybe he expected a, a wikipedia editor to make like a voting chart for some reason for this show I just, I thought, like, maybe he was getting it, like, I said one name has to go, like, the name has to go into the box, kind of like Mr. Boston, and so I was like, okay, I need an official vote, because, like, what if y'all just manhandled somebody into the box, right? Mm. So, like, I need to hear y'all say it, so that we don't know that, like, the stallionaires didn't just say, okay, it's just gonna be those two, and we're not doing anything else. <laughs> like, there will be no third option this week, Craig, try to put us in the box, you cannot. Um and it's and it's wild because this is supposed to be when they strategize or when they like decide. Okay, well, who are we putting up for elimination? Very obviously, it's Megan and Brandy C here, uh, and they just kind of like flip the ta- like turn the tables and say, okay, well, if we're going in, Chance is coming too. Scotty, what did you think about them selecting Chance as their like uh, scapegoat here? Uh, I don't know if it was just because Chance happened to be the speaker in that moment or if he was who Pumpkin may have thrown a few hints about not, you know, getting along with as well in the past. But I think Chance, while is a very entertaining TV character who I maybe would have liked to see stick around a little bit longer, uh, is a good choice here, especially as we see his reaction on the getaway. Uh, Chance is not going to, uh, you know, play this the most strategically. So I think it was a decent choice. Yeah, I think Chance is by far the most polarizing of these three. I think if you're looking for, like, who's most likely to fly off the handle when put in a pressurized situation, it's Chase number one with a bullet and then some. Mm-hmm. Like, he, Ch- Chance is the the hothead amongst two incredibly cold heads in real and white boy. So it's like, yeah, of course, like, if we have to find someone to sort of, like, emotionally push buttons with, it's going to be chance. And that's exactly what happens where like partially due to, you know, uh, due to feeling safe. And also I think just being a little pissy about everything chance is essentially going to refuse to campaign to pumpkin at all. Yeah. I, I just wonder if this is a half measure, right? Cause like you have the head of the snake right there, you know, white boy, everyone's talking about how big of a threat white boy is. White boy knows he's a threat. He's saying, you're not putting my name in the box. It's just not happening. I'm sorry. Like he knows he's not going to the box. Some have said that the season is rigged for him to win, but you know, but all that to say, like, isn't this the moment where you take your shot at white boy? Like is chance going to win the season? Probably not. Is White Boy going to win the season? Yeah, it looks like he's number one at this point in everyone's eyes. Scotty, is this a missed opportunity to kind of go for White Boy right here? Well, it's hard because I think from Megan's point of view, first of all, she has the crush. That is definitely a thing. Mm, uh, true. So I, I don't think that she's willing to go there. But as well, Megan and White Boy, like having somewhat of a working relationship is more than she can say for basically anyone else on the cast. So, <laughs> uh, you know, while she's trying to build things with Toasty and Pumpkin right now, she doesn't have that <laughs> anywhere else. So her and White Boy have strategized a little bit in past episodes that have saved both of them because, uh, keep in mind, if you guys can't agree as a team on which three checks go into the box, then the paymaster on the other team gets to decide for you. So while they've had mm. this working relationship, that's the closest thing outside of Brandy 
you see that Megan has had to an ally. So I don't hate the decision to keep him around for a little longer because he's always going to be a big target in front of you also. Oh, so do you think is white boy politicking a little bit with oh my God. Megan or like with, was that was that deliberate on his part? Or do you think it was just more so like he lucked into the fact that at that moment, Megan, who has more more pull in that twosome is like, I want to keep white boy in from a purely aesthetic value. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he does talk about like how she's super attractive, but I don't know that this any actually ever develops anywhere. I feel like he says more about like hoops being his type in the future rather than Megan. I don't rem- know, remember anything materializing off of the show or elsewhere. Uh, I don't know that Megan or White Boy have talked about it to my knowledge, but uh, it's, I'm sure that it is at least, you know, he is keeping everyone close, whether that is in a romantic way or uh, strategically. Yeah, and that has my full attention now because I want to know because they're both like, oh, look at Megan. She's so high. And look at White Boy. She has a crush on. Like, this never materialized anything. Nothing at all. You mean, like, they had to watch this back and hear all the nice things they were saying about each other and think, like, okay, we can hang out every now and then, you know? So I'm shocked that it doesn't turn out to be anything. Maybe they just take this moment very personally and can never get past it. Who knows? But ultimately here, Chance is the third option for elimination. And I think the rest of the house just doesn't think that Pumpkin has it in her to get rid of your, get rid of Chance either. Like, uh, the entertainer is like saying, like, Pumpkin's not going to put her neck on the line. Surely she would not like do something very like polarizing and you know like to turn the house on its head and get a lot of attention like not my pumpkin pumpkin would never do that um but again it's pretty obvious to me at this point that like pumpkin's definitely gonna do this and there's no amount of editing that can change my mind uh mike they end up going to a luau as a so okay this is confusing to me. Like it felt, it felt like they were going on a reward challenge, right? Or like a reward mm-hmm. from the reward challenge. Like, okay, you won the challenge. So now you get to go to a luau and we've got Outback and all the fixes. Like, you know, like that's how it felt. They got a massage and chance wants nothing to do with the massage. But is this, is this every week, every week do they go and get pampered right before they eliminate somebody? Yeah, think of it more, less so like a reward and more like, um, like a group date on The Bachelor and The Bachelorette of like, oh, today we're going to go out and go on a boat and go whale watching. You know, in this mm-hmm. case, it was let's get some like massages and then eat some, I don't know, janky ass wraps, uh, you know, and drink out of pineapples alongside. And then this is also the, this is chance, right? Chance is, chance is who chance is partially because he's very headstrong. Like he, if there is something that he doesn't want to do, he will stick to that no matter what the circumstances are, including like being offered a massage for completely free. He's like, I'm good. I'm going to sit on this table, let my legs dangle like Dan Lembo for like, I'm assuming an hour while everyone else got a massage, but he just sat there awkwardly the entire time. Yeah, he might even got a nap in. Scotty, is there anything that popped out to you from this group date, I guess, where uh, Megan is trying to pitch, you know, this idea to Pumpkin that Chance is the one who needs to go here? Oh, it's just uh, very obvious, at least watching at home, where anytime Chance like starts trying to make a legitimate argument, Megan knows what's going to push Chance's buttons and like needles mm-hmm. him just enough where he stops talking to the paymaster and starts arguing with Megan instead. So while she is making her pitches both at the house after this on the, um, you know, the date, you could say, uh, <laughs> that Chance never gets that opportunity because he's so annoyed with Megan. 
Yeah, I, I really love that choice. It's almost like the opposite of Bait Blake in a way, in that she's like, <laughs> I know the chance is going to just completely go off the rails. So, like, I mean, he gets hit with a hard question. Who do you want to be in the final three with? And it was a win-win. Either he answers, like, in a completely wrong way that does not include Pumpkin and solidifies what Megan said, or in this case, Megan just completely riles him up and he's not even able to answer the question, which is fine as well. Uh, but I love... One thing I do love about Chance is his unique phrasings, uh, particularly in this scene when he told Megan to put all your eggs on the table. <laughs> Take them out of the basket and put them on the table. My gosh, it's th- that's elementary school. Jeez. Listen, I, how is Megan not on Big Brother? Like, how is this woman not doing this all over the television? This is the biggest crime that I've ever seen outside from murder. You know, in, in reality TV history. Because Megan is like completely like just i mean getting the best of chance at every turn even her question like who do you want to go to the final three with obviously his brother and their best friend like you know and there's no way he he can answer that question genuinely and not be completely transparent as well like like he can't say like oh i want to go with my brother and and white boy because then obviously pumpkin's like well that doesn't include me but he also can't say oh yeah pumpkin me and you to the end like okay chance you're really gonna cut your brother and white boy to get to me fine so Megan is just like she just got him. She's on she's on point every step of the way to the point where I guess this is a staple as well. Craig Jackson sends a letter and says, "Hey, you can take one person to the side and give them a yeah. moment to talk without chance of berating them." Which, which again is a little pick? bit of like a bachelor bachelorette aspect, right? Of like, oh, you have one rose to give out, and so she's able to to get a little bit of private time. Megan knows that, right? Because she's been in the bottom, or she has a best friend who has been a number of times, so she's immediately jockeying for that. Like before anyone can even pitch it, she's like. Uh, Pumpkin, uh, I'm, I want to talk to you about something in private. So you have to pick me or you won't know my secret. So you're mm-hmm. going to have to pick me now, even though there, you don't have many choices because Brandy's just like minding her own business off in La La Land. And Chance is vehemently like bristling and yelling at me while this is happening. Yeah. I was going to say, and oh, so as fine. soon as Megan gets that opportunity to talk alone, like, yeah, Pumpkin acknowledges, I do not trust Megan, but her pitch is like, I will be the paymaster next week. And if I am somehow not the paymaster, I'll throw the challenge. So like, you might not trust her. And so in that case, sure, it might not come in, but like the offer's too good to refuse. You are basically being offered like a week of immunity, no matter what. So and obviously Chance has not offered anything of the sort to Pumpkin. Yeah, it's masterful, really, because if if the rules are that everyone has to get a chance, then Megan's absolutely right. Like, I'm the last person on this team. It has to be me. And if it's me, you're fine. But if it's not me, if for some reason they throw a wrench into the game and they're rigging this for white boy or, you know, like maybe I get strong armed and uh, or the rules change or something like that. And it's not me. Fine. We'll lose. And then you could just save one of us. Like, it's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's, it's a win-win here. Like, you, you'll be fine. And Pumpkin is like, okay, you, you won me over here. As if she wasn't already going to do this. Yeah. But, you, yeah, she's got the insurance, like, th- that she needs. She's okay with going on with this plan. Now it's just a matter of, like, how can Pumpkin really just chew the scenery <laughs> and make this the Pumpkin moment that we all know it's going to be? Um, and that brings us to the uh i guess what do they call it? the the role ceremony what, what are we calling the uh elimination ceremony the box I moment i think I they literally know. just say the eliminate ceremony <laughs> yeah okay so it's, it's not like the voiding ceremony or something <laughs> the vault the vault box uh opening i don't know um yeah so basically everybody leading up to the to the vault moment they're saying the same things right like okay 
Uh, Pumpkin obviously gets to make the choice here, but Chance feels fine with Pumpkin because they're all aligned. Hoops is like, we should be fine here because me and Pumpkin go way back to before the spit. Um, and then, you know, Hoops also knows that she's controlling the women on her side of the alliance. So she's feeling really good about this. But then you get Pumpkin who's saying like, uh, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do still. Megan's worried as she should be because her and Pumpkin go get a- along. Um, and so when it's time to distribute the checks, now this was fun for me. Brandy C gets the first check. Pumpkin just gets Brandy C out the way and she says, look, she's no, she's so so damn weak that it just yeah. makes sense to get her. She, she says, like, you're under the radar and you're not doing much. So here you go. Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And this is probably the first sign to anybody who's not named uh like Megan that this is probably gonna go badly for them, right? Because like the obvious choice here is just give chance. You're in a, you're aligned with chance. Just give chance to check and move on. If you're not going to do what you're about to do, but that's not who we're dealing with here. Scotty, this is pumpkin. Pumpkin has to build the drama. Do you, pump, do you remember what uh, pumpkin says as she is talking to the final two people waiting on their checks? Uh, Megan and chance. Oh, I don't have that written down. What is it? Uh, oh no, no, no. I didn't write it all down because it okay. was ridiculous, <laughs> but she basically starts with Megan and she goes, Megan, Listen, like Megan, take a step forward. I hate you. I don't trust you. You're a conniving bitch. Remember, I, I think about the moment you told me I had saggy boobs on episode one. I think about it every day, every and day. it just plays in my head and plays in my head. It plays in my head, and I cannot let it go. I don't trust you in this game. I don't like you. But and then that's when it's like it dawns on everybody. Yeah. Like, but what? And she's like, but strategically, I think you're better for my game. Chance, I'm gonna have to eliminate you. And then all hell breaks loose. Mike, uh, what did you think about this moment? I mean, so it's a good moment. What I will say is uh, this show does not do subtlety well. Uh, this is something <laughs> you see coming from a mile away. We get so many scenes before this right up chance being like, of course it can't be me. I'm going to beat up this football to show what I would do to, to Pumpkin if she betrayed me. Surely she can't be doing this. Megan's going home no matter what. She's the snake, et cetera, et cetera. So, like, we all knew this was coming, even if it's your first time watching the episode. But it still makes for a, a really fun scene, particularly to your point, Chappelle, with the turn that gets built up with Pumpkin just completely dressing down Megan, even though she's not really dressed up to begin with. <laughs> uh, I love, to that point, her being like, you use your body to manipulate people in the house, which I don't know is if it's working or not. You know, just like a <laughs> double insult. And then she finishes that up with, that being said, you're safe. I mean, I'm curious, Scally, did they ever call down the person who was eliminated before they, like, you know, leaving one person left? Like, was there suspense in calling down Megan as to whether or not she would be eliminated? Very much, yeah. I feel like often, actually, the second person called. I can't remember off the top of my head if ever the first person. Um, I believe it did actually happen once. But, uh, yeah, it is not always the last person standing there who is going to be eliminated. Uh, well, you could tell with Pumpkin that this was going to be a moment, and she definitely had it, right? So Pumpkin says, like, I'm sorry, Chance, you're not good for my game. It's time for you to go. And Chance does what Chance does here. I vividly remember this moment from the first time I watched it. Watching it back was jarring because I just, I mean, geez, man, he let her have it. But all I, I hear it in my head the same way she hears, like, saggy boobs. I still hear, shut your ass up, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> hey, blonde-ass pumpkin. <laughs> like, what does that even mean? <laughs> put, put your eggs out on the table. Uh, eight and alive. Eight and alive. <laughs> 
<laughs> like it gets so volatile so fast. Like Hoops is over there cursing. Real has lost it at this point because Real is the which, cooler which, head, right? Yeah, which which is wild. Like you are riling up Real. This is the guy that should have been nicknamed Buddha. Like you are ticking off the calmest guy. I mean, it, it makes sense, right? Because it's like it's his brother. I think even mm-hmm. if White Boy had gone, I don't know if Real would have had as calamitous of a reaction as he did. But like Real went from one to 70 in an instant where he is just like screaming at her uh chance is like you know i never liked you anyway chance really is that vibe of that kid who's taking the ball after he lost the game right being like fine uh i didn't even want to do this stupid thing anyway like you're ugly (laughs) i I don't even like you you're uh, like i can't believe you did this but it's like it's so it's like okay and pumpkin brings stuff like okay so if you never liked me then i was smart for getting rid of you but clearly Logic does not permeate Chance's brain on a good day. When he's hot-headed from being eliminated, uh, it's it's not even making it close to his head at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where he's yelling like, oh, I never liked you. She's like, okay, well, I did like you, so you don't have to say that. He's like, no, you didn't. She's like, okay, well, then fine. Goodbye, then. And he's yeah, still yelling. Right? Reels yelling. <laughs> like, it, yeah, every it, person on this cast is surprised at what's happening. Yeah, it doesn't It doesn't have to make sense here, you know, for them to, to be upset. You know, we've seen this in Survivor countless times, right? Like, where someone flips on their alliance and it makes total sense. I'm um, thinking, like, Cochrane in South Pacific, right? Like, I will, like, I could go home here, you guys, Uh, you know. Uh, that, that's I don't really want to go to this, this was this was yeah. like the uh like reels the Whitney Duncan right of like you <laughs> exactly me <laughs> or the poverty like you you make me want to vomit pinner you know like I want to vomit all over your face you know like that's how <laughs> that was what this was except this was like ten times worse and I think this is important to call out like this is a the line that we're talking about here right between like trash TV and good TV and just because you put problematic people on the sake of uh, on television for the sake of like what are they gonna do sometimes. It's a little too far. And with having chance on this season and just with Pumpkin's level of just like antagonism for things, like this was always going to get here eventually. It was just going to happen. You put the right people in the room. You had all the players in place. It was just a matter of how do we get them to explode? And it was bound to happen. I don't think there's a coincidence that they're putting three people up for elimination because at some point they got to get a stallionary in there too. Um, so yeah, I think they want this, they want this blow up and they get it. But I just didn't love this part. It just got kind of too... It went too far for me, Scally. What do you think? Yeah, it's... everywhere watching the show, like you said. L- mess is my love language, but this is like... Uh, this is where it's not as fun. <laughs> so mm. there is fun mess. There is bad mess. This was really moving into the bad mess territory, unfortunately. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I mean, it's... I, at least it ends off an episode, right? Like, it's not going to become mm-hmm. the main focus of it. We sort of deal with it for a couple minutes, and then it's done. But I think what's not particularly fun about it is, like, how... I mean, there's not great the optics of, like, watching a bunch of men yell at a woman, uh, you know, just continually insulting her is not great, especially over this concept of a game. And that's the other element as well, is that, like... Not to say it's hypocritical, but it, it just seems stupid, uh, especially when Real again makes that comment about like, you know, uh, th- this ain't a game to me. This is personal. But like, what were you just doing the past five weeks? You were in charge of an alliance that's voiding checks. I mean, let's remember, again, Real and Chance make it to the final three of I Love New York. These guys are not used to dealing with not winning on these shows, mm-hmm. essentially. Like, they're, they're, they're not, they've never really faced any adversity at all on these shows. This is the very first time they ever did. And it shows. 
they say about reality TV contestants, you can tell a lot about them uh, when you sort of see how they behave when their back is up against the wall. And we saw real quick what happens to the Stallionaire brothers when they don't, they don't get their way. Yeah, and I think that's very telling because Megan's back against against the wall this entire episode and she rises to the occasion and she dazzles us with her like humor and her strategy all at the same time while looking great, as they continuously point out, in a bathing suit the entire time and she doesn't let them see her sweat. And these men get like hit with one blow and that's it. It's over. It's a wrap. Chance and Real just cannot handle it. I think White Boy is probably holding it together the best, which is probably just, just you know, goes to show like what kind of reality TV player, person he is, where he can just kind of like, in the midst of all this mess, just kind of be calm. Oh, oh um, no. Stop. Please don't fight. Yeah, don't fight. <laughs> like, okay, White Boy, thank you. Uh, I'm sure you will be great television when you have your own show. Uh, but, you know, like that's the difference between like a Megan and Chance. And I think this is another example of why it's a tragedy that we didn't get the, the, the good ending to the Megan saga that we deserved. Um, this episode comes to an end right here. And then we go on. This was like episode six. So then there's like several more episodes. There's a, a finale and a reunion. Scally, is there anything else we need to know about this season? Of I love money. Okay. So while we're here, I'm going to strongly suggest that people watch this. It's on daily motion, but like I'm going to spoil what happens on. I love money. The arc of this show, in the next episode, I believe it is, Megan does in fact become Paymaster, makes everyone beg her dog that why they should stay in the house. Rodeo is crying hysterically to this dog, treating it like it's a real, like, it's actually making the decision. Megan basically, you know... betrays the pumpkin and toasty alliance uh convinces at one point when megan's back is finally against the wall uh we don't see her convincing but i have to believe convinces brandy to quit the game to save megan (laughs) so um, (laughs) yeah so eventually we make it all the way to the final three where the jury is brought back in not to make a decision on who is going to win, but the decision of who the final two is going to uh, be. Yeah. The old pirate master. Yes. Oh my gosh. Exactly. <laughs> so we have a group of people. And since Brandy C had quit the show, she was not allowed on this jury, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> she, so we are faced with six people who Megan has manipulated and made fun of on their way out. And all of them are thrilled to eliminate Megan here at the final three. They are going to make her sweat and ask her lots of questions. At which point Ms. Megan raises her hand and says, I quit. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's this, idea, this idea of like i'm not gonna give you the pleasure of eliminating me i know what's coming so like i'm done i'm done right now and so you have frank yelling that i flew all the way from new york to come back here just to watch her quit like <laughs> they are not happy she got one last laugh she knew she was going out she probably wasn't winning the show anyway she ran the season and then would not give them the satisfaction of eliminating her Ah, uh, the Nayanka of it all, right? Like she got, she got her purple Kelly and Brandy C quitting the game for her. She goes out, she's like, "You won't ever get to eliminate me." Like, yeah. oh my god! And Frank's so, like, "I left my basement for this." You know? So that was, and so that was the big event of the finale. Because otherwise, outside of that, like it ends with Hoops versus White Boy, which is again white. This is where Hoopster provides the statement of like they rigged it for White Boy. So when we were in the final two, and the producers, you know, uh, I finished like you know so much time after that and that they i was begging for money and they wouldn't give me money but hoops ends up winning the two hundred fifty thousand dollars. uh you know a parent rigging be damned but i think the big thing to take away to scally's point from this finale was 
the fall of Megan, but like sort of rise because she went on her own terms, despite the fact that like this random twist came in to say, let's eliminate Megan. She's like, no, let Megan eliminate Megan right now. Exactly. And that's the thing. As a big Megan fan, it was devastating in the moment to see like, ah, it all came to catch up with her. But it's almost the perfect arc for her where like her fate was in her hands the entire time. She was petty until her last day on the show. And you know what? <laughs> it gets her her own show eventually. So all is well uh, until about episode three of Megan wants a millionaire. Unfortunately. That's incredible. I'd forgotten about the Megan Queen. I think in the real time I watched it and I didn't like, like you said, it was kind of like, Oh dang, they finally got it. Right. But looking back, if you put it, if you frame it the way you just did, yeah, they come back specifically to get rid of her right like that's what mm-hmm. that's why they're here because we know everyone hates her and they like okay megan we brought back all the people who hate you and all the people you've burned now you get to go home and you're like ah yeah i'm gonna go home but you aren't <laughs> gonna be the reason why i just want to go home like oh it's perfect this is a perfect human i, I long torso and all <laughs> this is a perfect human being Oh, man. Put that woman on every reality TV show forever for the end of time. Mike, what did you think about the show overall? I mean, it's the, the first season especially is a lot of fun. I'm doing, I watched season two. It wasn't as great, even though it does have it does have Safari and her BFF Buck Wild uh, on it, which is a group. And I also Taylor made who is like one of the biggest reality TV weasels from I Love New York has a big <laughs> run in it, too. So they're they're very fun. But I do feel like you know, even though I think we made fun of, of maybe how some of these people did not necessarily pop off on screen, like this really was a first string, you know, all stars from the celeb reality shows. You sort of feel the diminishing returns with other seasons. I did not come back for season four, though I do believe that um, Mindy Hall, twin sister of Survivor oh, Guatemala, Cindy me? Hall, <laughs> wins. This. So she was on Rock of Love. She was on a season of Rock of Love. And then she comes back for I Love Money season four and ends up winning. Uh, mm-hmm. So... She has she has one more money on reality TV than her twin sister. Let's just we're, we're putting that out there. But this is a show that I have always loved because as I talked about in the very beginning of this podcast, like it knows what it is, warts and all, and this thing is basically all warts, but like there is just so much fun to be had. There's a lot of cringy aspects to it, but like the show acknowledges it and also underlines it to be like, God, that was cringy, or look at how dumb these people are. That it's a, you know, you could feel the runtime a little bit, but the characters are just so fun and over the top, especially in this first season, especially when you talk about someone like a Megan who just rules the roost at that moment that I had such a fun time digging into this, like, just nasty ass meal. Uh, Like, (laughs) I'm feeling full afterwards and not full, like, I'm going to go, like, lay in my bed and lament my decisions, full in a way of, like, I'm not going to experience this type of greasiness for a long, long time, but I feel good <laughs> about indulging tonight. And I, I was so happy to sup with you two gentlemen. Yeah. Um, Scally, what are our takeaways from I Love Money? Like, if you got to wrap this up for everybody, what do you, what do you think that we should take away from this show altogether? Yeah, this is a show where there are obviously its flaws, <laughs> But if you are able to stomach those, there is a lot of entertainment value here, especially like had you watched this show back in the day. I think it's worth a revisit. Uh, I know that like Flavor of Love and I would say probably I Love New York are like the most well-known of these shows. But this really is the one that like gets 
every one of those big characters all in one place, especially this first season. Uh, it is something, like we said, the format is great. The characters are great. Uh, it's something that I think some shows today probably could look back on and learn a little bit from. Yes. Yeah. I enjoyed this as well. It was, like I said, it was one of those things where I was watching it like, oh my God, I can't believe I used to watch this. And now I'm like, okay, I need to watch the next season. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you, you walk in being like, how would, how would I even stomach this crap? And then come through like, more crap, please. Give me more <laughs> crap. It's also yeah. like, if anything, watch it as a great relic of a reality TV empire. It cannot be stated how much season three of the surreal life brings about this entire thing right because without that you don't get flavor Flav and brigitte nielsen you don't get strange love you don't get flavor of love and then it just all goes downhill from there so like even if you just want to dote on these reality tv stars that you haven't thought of for at least a decade except for the podcast that they do in quarantine and then ditch after three months check it out uh, i think i think it's a it's a really entertaining watch unlike the entertainer watch which good luck if you're watching that basement show because that just sounds <laughs> coming soon come, coming soon i guarantee it <laughs> but okay this was a good time thank you guys for coming uh scally uh do you want to plug yourself and talk about anything that is coming up in your world right now Hmm, let's talk. Uh, so I, as mentioned before, was lucky enough to do the draft for the next season of The Bachelorette with Haley and Amy over on The Bachelor wrap-up. So I can be found over there, as well as wrapping up coverage over on the Dom and Colin podcast with Matt Ligori talking about the Challenge All-Stars. The reunion just aired, so that was actually a lot of fun, hoping for a season two. And uh, have a couple drafts coming out, both there uh, having one with Colin Stone and Haley Strong as well as there and on the RHAP feed a little later with Allie and Brian talking about the new season of the challenge that is currently filming. So if you want to uh, find out who may or may not be appearing on next season, that is a good place to find out because everywhere else is a very scary place full of spoilers. So I suggest not <laughs> looking elsewhere. <laughs> right. And uh, Scotty, uh, how did that last draft go for you? I heard some uh, good, bad things. Bad things. <sighs> You know, I'm on a real streak with the regular challenge, but All-Stars, I haven't seen these people in 15 seasons, much like the I Love Money cast, and was <laughs> letting my heart do a lot of the decision-making. Uh, I did not pull out my inner Megan Hauserman and Aww. instead was, you know, acting like, let's say, real. Uh, so acting <laughs> with my heart, uh, as he does later in the season, proposing to Hoops after knowing her for a couple weeks. So, Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh I forgot about that. <laughs> oh my god and they lived happily ever after obviously. oh not so Hoopily much they, after ever. Uh, there was yeah. no definitive no but there definitely was not a yes for that proposal so uh comments uh whether it be i love money or on other shows i'll tweet out anything i'm doing on twitter at brian underscore scally thank you scally and mike bloom man of a thousand podcast again my idol what do you got going on yeah, I got more podcasts than checks hanging in the vault, as it were. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'll start with reality TV stuff. I mentioned it before, but Survivor is finally back, folks. Survivor South Africa just started airing. It was a really fun premiere, really wild premiere as well. And so Shannon, Gus, and I are going to break it all down. We're doing weekly podcasts as well as, as Exit Press. So uh, be sure to listen to that on Reality TV or Hap-Ups and the Survivor feed. We've got weekly episodes going on with that. And I encourage you, if you're a Survivor fan, to check it out. 
very close to the survivor you know 20 people 39 days airs once a week for like 50 minutes to an hour it is a lot of fun come join us and then also on RHAP this week, I got together with Shannon Gus and Sasha Joseph. We did an outwit, outplay, outlist of uh, most iconic merge tribe names. Uh, I think I Love Money would try to be something that I would personally try to like make happen. Would I play Survivor? Try to you know squish it all together and like I don't know do like a A H L U H V M O N E H or something to like make it seem like the Fijian word for prosperity or something. Uh, just as a shout out to the show, but we we did we had a lot of fun with that. Over on Pusher Recaps, of course, there's a lot of stuff going on uh, between the stuff that Josh Riggler and I are doing with Lost Down the Hatch, the stuff that my wife Angela and I are doing with uh, the Bloom Files. But we did just put out a brand new perk or a goal, I should say, for patrons of Post Show Recaps. And this is no joke. If we get to 550 patrons by the end of June, I will learn French. I will learn <laughs> The French language, if we get to 550 <laughs> patrons, you don't have to be Frenchy, the infamous Rock of Love contestant and Celebrity Big Brother contestant. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm going to become Frenchy, essentially. So if that appeals to you for whatever reason, look, we all love mess. That's going to be mess. Become a patron of Post Show Recaps. We're doing a lot of other great things that I think outweighs the value of me learning French. But hopefully that gives you some bang for your buck as well. And Mike, you are incredible learning French. That's wild. And also very humble. Mike, why did, what did I see about your name being, are were you a production consultant on Survivor South Africa? Yeah, like, so, what happened here? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, the, the cat's out of the bag on that one. The smallest dog in the dog shows out of the bag. <laughs> yeah. uh, Shannon, Shannon, Gus, and I were production consultants on Survivor South Africa. Uh, if you want to hear more about it, you got to listen to the podcast. But essentially, we were able to consult with LaRue Bota, who is the showrunner and really good friend of the the podcast the, the best survivor showrunner around in my opinion he talked to us a lot about twists that he was using this season you may see a couple of our ideas on the season but we'll talk in more capacity we are not spoiled we know nothing about what happens on the season but we were able to talk with the rue preseason about some ideas about this titular immunity island advantages challenges etc surreal opportunity I, I can't wait to expound on it more but yeah that, that was a a real treat to see my name in a survivor credit sequence. Like I, I have welts from pinching myself in that I was able to like actually have that happen. Yeah. That's incredible. Bana- bananas to me. Uh, yeah. I saw the, I saw the, the, the little post and I said, AJ Mash, Shannon Gus and Mike Bloom. Look at what the RHP Rewind has done for you. Uh, for all of my former That's guests the, going on to this thank big you thing. So much, Chappelle, thank you. You're, <laughs> you were the one who got me there. I wouldn't be there without you. And so sincerely, thank you. You are getting your own podcast on the network. <laughs> <laughs> That's the rumor. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Oh, my gosh. You guys, thank you. And Mike, where can people follow you on Twitter? Oh, yeah. At, at a Mike Bloomtop. I also write about uh, Top Chef and maybe some other exit press as well, especially when Big Big Brother. We're a month away from Big Brother. Holy yeah. moly. Wow. Reality TV is back in a big way. 
Yeah, I'm exhausted already, but um, I mean, Big Brother, it, it's time. It's time. We've we've had our break. It was short because of Big Brother Canada, mm-hmm. but we do this every year. This is this is what we love to do, and so I'm I'm happy to be able to do this, and I'm happy to get talk to y'all, you know, and 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 discuss these wacky reality TV shows. Of course, uh, people can follow me at Chappelle's underscore show on Twitter, where I'm probably just tweeting about these uh very same people and the television shows that they like to talk about. Um. Next week on the rewind, if we are to do it, um, which I think we are, um, I haven't decided on an episode yet, but I'm thinking of Run's House, you guys. I, I, I remember Ooh. that show. Yeah, I'm yeah, thinking yeah. Run's House. So I'll run it past Rob and see uh, if he, now that he's in the new house, uh, where, uh, you know, he feels about, you know, like talking about it or which episodes really stand out um, because that was a show that was near and dear to my heart back then and so I'm very excited to talk about it also if you haven't become a patron of uh, Rob has a podcast of course this is a great time to do so do so it's, a, it's the beginning of the month right yeah. like there's so much cool stuff going on Mike do you know of all the activities coming up so many I mean right now actually as we're talking uh, there is a patron mafia that is going on actually one of the perks is if you're a patron at a certain level you get access to not only the RHAP Facebook group but also the RHAP patron discord which I know that we did a watch party for the premiere of Survivor South Africa also if you're a patron uh, you may get a document with links to watch those handy episodes I'm a little distracted because I was just looking up Run's house and I realized that uh, Rev Run's house that they filmed it at is actually not too far from where I currently live. So road trip. <laughs> road trip. I'm gonna drop by. I'm gonna see if Run's still home and uh, if- well, whatever is. Well, I think did, didn't did he and his wife split up? I don't remember. I think, I think so. Uh, yeah, I think so. Holy Last time I saw her, she was connected to Jaiman Hansu, but we won't have to get into oh, that. Boy, today. Okay. <laughs> save it for next week. <laughs> yeah, save it for the Run's House podcast, Mike. Anything else you got to say about uh, the patrons? I mean, there's, there is so much going on. Uh, as Chappelle said, you know, when you are uh, starting le- the membership renewals every, at the beginning of every month, so you really are getting your bang for your buck. Rob has a website.com slash patron. Uh, you can even subscribe at the $5 level. That's going to give you access to all of our patron-only podcasts, which includes the one I did last week, uh, the feedback show covering for Rob on the 19th best season of Survivor, Survivor the Australian Outback. If you haven't listened... Uh, at this point, if you're already, if you just finished listening to Chappelle and Amy Chan talk for four hours about that, uh, check it out to plenty of coverage of Survivor of the Australian Outback, as well as I can imagine the five for five's got to be coming back soon. So like, there is so much $250,000 worth of uh, content in becoming a patron of Rob has a podcast and we are not voiding that check anytime soon. Put down that stamp, Craig J. Jackson. Go back to doing whatever you're doing at your body <laughs> show on Discovery and uh, come be a patron. Have fun with us on, on the RHAP patron activities where we're going to be having a good time. Yes. And uh, I think this week uh, on the RHAP like Survivor Rewatch, I think we were up to uh, five hours of content, you guys. Like, I think we were at 4.45 uh, on uh, Survivor Cook Islands. And so, yeah, so if you haven't checked that out, then check it out because uh, we are moving right along. And I want to thank everybody for listening and hanging out with me. I know y'all miss Rob a lot. Hopefully he comes back to us. But Scally, Mike, thank y'all so much for joining me. And uh, take care, everybody. Bye. Bye.